in five, four, three, two, one. Obi Trice, real name, no gimmicks. Who are you? He had a voice that could make a Wolverine purr. That's what I'm talking about, man. Wait a minute, I know you. Check out the name tag. You're in my world now, Grandma. Yeah, I know that, dude. He's a modern-day Yoda. I'm your huckleberry. Allow myself to introduce myself. Greetings and salutations. We came, we saw, we kicked it down. You're excited. Feel these nipples. That boy's good. Mm-hmm. Good and terrible. Well, I have a microphone, and you don't. So you will listen to every damn word I have to say! This is the Mike Rutherford Show on the Big X. Sportos, motorheads, geek bloods, wasteoids, dweebies, they all adore him. They think he's a righteous dude. All right. All right. All right, all right, all right. Welcome everybody, it is Friday, February 3rd. This is the Mike Rutherford Show coming to you as always from the University of Louisville College of Business Studios. Have you ever wanted to get your MBA? Felt like you didn't have enough time? How about getting your MBA in 13 months and feeling like you're paid to do so in the process? UofL College of Business can make that happen for you. Visit business.louisville.edu to see how that can happen. We're on the air today from 3 to 6 here on 1450 AM, 96.1 FM, streaming all over the damn land. You know what better is the big X, Mike Rutherford in the pilot seat. Uh, Trevor Kelsey, as said yesterday, taking some time off, trying to rest, trying to relax. I told him when he was leaving yesterday. I was like, don't, no BS stuff. Go home, just just sleep. Just just get right, get better. We don't need you one hour away from death like, like you have been this week. We need you better. So hopefully TK will rest this weekend, not do stupid stuff. In his stead, in, in his place today here, we got intern Patrick back for the second time this week, looking glorious, rocking the Jeff Brom t-shirt. Feeling good, out of school yes, for the sir. week. How's the, how was the school week post-snow day in the middle of the week? Uh, it was good. That snow day breaks up the week so nicely. God, you're living the senior life right now. You man. got that three-day, you got, it's like you had one day of school and you got, you had a three-day week. You're also, you're living that second semester senior year of high school life, which is oh yeah one of the best times to be alive. It, it, it differs for everybody. I, I certainly, I enjoyed it. It was a great time. You kind of, you, you throw caution in the wind. I know you're still, you know, there's a little bit of, college stuff out there you still technically have to finish school but let's be real you're coasting like you like me you also had baseball to look forward to yep. like when all of my friends were kind of they felt like school was coming to a close i kind of felt like you know even during graduation time like we were still playing i kind of felt like school was still going because we had the season going but it's just it's a good time i hope, I hope you're soaking it up living life and you like me not taking a particularly challenging schedule which is oh, yeah. how i chose to live my senior year no regrets we have it. eight blocks. I only get like five grades. I have like <laughs> two study halls and a student aid period where I don't even get a grade. I mean, I had my last like like four periods were I had a resource period where they're like, don't take a resource. It's your senior year. Take a class. I'm like, I'm taking a resource. Get out of my face. Where I would just go to the computer lab and like read basketball scores with Danny every day. And then lunch. And then we had Spanish, AP Spanish, which was a joke. It was wonderful. A beautiful joke. And then newspaper, which I love. Tony Lococo is a legend. And like, I had like more fun during those two hours than I did like <laughs> like some weekends during senior year. It was great. You know, we just screwing around. It was fun. I enjoyed it. And I, I'm, I'm glad to see that you're following in my not-so-large yep. footsteps. We, we had a home, homecomings tonight. We had a nice pep rally at the end of the day today. What do you mean homecomings tonight? 
the the homecoming basketball game. I didn't realize that they did homecoming basketball game. We, the, the homecoming was just a football thing. We do a homecoming basketball game. Look at I don't you know. guys. We had a pep rally. Well, I I led a Simon Says game during this pep rally. How'd that go? Uh, better than I thought. I I was worried because <laughs> Simon Says is a game made for five year olds. I was worried that. There's a, uh, I was going to get to like, there's going to be like 20 people. I was going to be able to not get anybody out, but it got down to like five before I ran out of time Man, on my allotted Simon Says time. That seems like a, a huge waste of time, but again, that's what senior year of high school they were, was for. Everybody was playing games during the pep rally. They needed a new game. I was in the teacher that organizes all the stuff's classroom. She was like, what do y'all think about doing a Simon Says game? I said, can I lead it? Because there's just one guy that does it professionally on uh, that I see videos of on TikTok sometimes. That's how this happens. Yeah, okay. and he's uh his name's Steve Max, but he like does it at a uh, halftime like Mavs games and halftime of Bucks games. Okay. I've seen them both. Okay, he like does it, okay. and I was used to use some of his tricks. I was pretty good at it. I like that. I, I I would like to have video if it's out there. Send it into the Big X uh, Sports Radio dot com. I, I mean, I remember. Like, we only had, I don't know if it's changed over the years, because it has been a while since I was in high school, we only had one pep rally, and it was always the week of the San X game in football. They tried to pawn it off as, like, a fall sports rally, and, like, let's be, it, it, was a, it was a football pep rally for the San X game. They just happened to, like, allow, like, like the cross-country team had a, had a, shockingly, there was no spring pep rally. Like, we didn't have. We do, like, a spring recognition ceremony. Like, all the spring oh. sports that, like, won stuff, we, like, all go to the gym for, like, 30 minutes, and they kind of clap for them. Now, my senior year, we did get to come out during the the Senex game pep rally because we we made it to the state championship the year before. So they took like the players who'd been on that team, and they like they bring everybody out outside to like some badass music. Like you know, the, the football team comes out, like they have like the smoke and they play Sandstorm or whatever. And like they 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 brought us out to an organist rendition of "Take Me Out to the Ball Game." It was like dude, 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 like and, and nobody cared. But like that was it was cool to at least be a part of the pep rally because they don't. I mean, it's changed over the years. You got to remember like basketball when I was there is not the way the basketball has been at Trinity since then. But they just, like, football was the only time we were going to have a pep rally. But it's nice to know that other schools are embracing all the all the seasons and all the sports, which is well done, Manuel. How's the basketball team doing, by the way? Uh, Our best player's been out for the last few weeks. It's the Damon, Damon King, King. Right, yeah, he's, he's good. He's got a few mid-major offers. He's pretty solid. He's been out for a few weeks. Uh, I think they're, like, 12-8, and eight, something, somewhere around there. All right, seventh they're region, solid. Seventh region's wide open. Could happen. You never know. Could always happen. Could always happen. Get hot at the right time. That's right. Uh, text into the show today if you've got thoughts, if you've got questions, if you've got comments, if you've got concerns. Hit us up on the Thornton's text line at 502-414-1450. And a reminder, Thornton's is giving away a free breakfast sandwich and a free drink of your choice to all new Refreshing Rewards members if you download that app and become a member of their Refreshing Rewards program today. You can be treated to free breakfast or free lunch if you want. The manual basketball team is 14-9, and nine, by the way. 14-9. And, and they have Portland Christian tonight. So Should be a dub. 15 and 9. Should be a dub. Uh, just download that bad boy and then text us at 502-414-1450. Uh, Kenny Payne talked to the media today. We will let you hear from him. We'll get you ready for tomorrow's game against Florida State. Could this become a winning streak? You know, Kenny Payne, since he's been the Louisville head co- basketball coach, he's never won a game without winning the next game. We've never had just one law, one win, standing there by itself. There's so, never been a standalone win in the Kenny Payne era. That's It's a fact. We've also never lost in February. This all seems to to be bad news for Florida State. Uh, we'll talk about that game. We can talk a, a little bit of, broadly about the... For, I don't know how this happened. I, I guess we touched on it briefly this week earlier, but the conversation that has swept this area as it, as it pertains to Louisville basketball has seemed to become what the expectation should be for next year. We can talk about that. I thought it was interesting that that really took off 
um, based pretty much on a one line from uh, a Rick Bozich column. Uh, we can get into that. I know that the the text line seems to all kind of have the same opinion um, with them, uh, but we'll discuss that. And then I don't know if you saw last night, Patrick, in the NBA, it's a little, a little spicy. Donovan Mitchell. I'm going to the Pacers-Cavs game on Sunday. Uh, so, so I'm really hoping, hoping for it, not a suspension. I can't imagine he's going to be suspended. If you don't know what we're talking about, Donovan Mitchell last night in the uh, the, the Cavs-Grizzlies game, he's going down. He There's a, I guess, a play with Dylan Brooks where Brooks ends up on the floor Donovan's kind of standing up with the ball next to him. Brooks rolls over pretty pretty blatantly, punches him in the nads. I think that's the, the medical term. Like hammers it. Hammers him in the nads. And keep in mind, Mitchell is, is coming off of a groin injury, so this is a particularly... It's always a sensitive area. It's especially sensitive right now for Don. Don goes down, gets up, drills him with the ball, which is always a great move, goes after Dylan Brooks, throws him to the ground. They wrestle around a little bit. Props to the, the bench coach for the Grizz who, like, tackles. He got him. He'd come out of nowhere. Like, the, the first time I saw it, I didn't even know when he entered the frame. I just saw him on the ground with his arms around Brooks, and then I had to rewind it and watch it again. And then after the game, I mean, I'd love to play for you, but we'd have to manually bleep out the bleeps. Donovan, not holding back whatsoever on Dylan Brooks, comes out and just says says outright, like, first of all, he like he does what you should do in that situation, which is be like, the guy can't guard me. That's why he's so mad. I've been working his ass since we got in the league. I've destroyed him, every, like playoffs, regular season. I've been dominating him. We've had a little bit of a back and forth, but you can't punch guys in the junk. That's the way that it goes. Chris Paul should have found that out firsthand. Dylan Brooks is finding out now, and Mitchell goes on to talk about how this is a league-wide thing. He's done this sort of thing to everybody. This is becoming an issue. The NBA needs to get involved. There's no place for it. And look, I mean, we all watched Donovan for two years here. I think a lot of us have followed his NBA career. If you've, you know ever interacted with him, I think you know he's a pretty mild-mannered guy. It takes a lot for him to get worked up to the point where he's going to get involved in a physical altercation, and that's exactly what happened last night. Dylan Brooks kind of becoming, I mean, he's always been sort of a joke like that. I, I, always, I love using the gif of him, the worst flop of all time. Yeah, I say, I say gif to him, people give me crap for it. The gif. I go back and forth. I don't, I don't, I don't know what to say anymore. The gif of him doing the the crazy flop when he was at Oregon, which is still my favorite flop of all time. You know, he had the thing where he had a little bit of beef with Coach K, which actually was on his side in that. But since he got to the NBA, it's been just kind of one con- – he's trying to make a name for himself as the I'm going to mix it up and be kind of a cheap shot artist guy. I'm, I'm banking on being a defensive stopper, and it's not really working for him. It's just kind of annoying at this point. I, I love seeing Donovan get into it with him and then take up for himself afterwards pretty strongly. I mean, say what you will about Donovan – he really got him in that few seconds before that pain really sets in when you get hit there. He did, which which is nice. You gotta you you have to act before this. You have the initial sting, and then, and then you have, like you have laps. a few seconds before you get like your stomach starts sinking. Exactly right, and and all guys listening to this, you know what we're talking about. You have that lapse. You've got it, the vinegar moments. You, you you've got to go after him right then, and that's exactly what Don did. He 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 was a pro, and look, I, I know Don is is pretty mild mannered, but. I love that he he's always kind of taken up for himself. He hasn't been afraid to dive into the NBA drama since he got and into the league. And punch Grayson Allen in the face. Punch Grayson. I mean, yeah, even back then, even back in at Louisville, it's just it was it was nice to see last night. But it was, I didn't see it initially. I, we were getting the kids down for for bed, and then I was getting ready for bed, and then I checked the timeline, and it's just exploding. I was like, oh my god, Donovan got into a, a physical altercation. Suck at Dylan Brooks. That was a uh, props to Don. I hope I, I I can't imagine that he's going to be suspended. Me neither. I think Dylan Brooks should be suspended. I wonder if they will. That's, At least a couple. 
because but, he can try to kind of claim that it was inadvertent, but it's it's it looks. Who rolls over like that when you're blatant. rolling over? It's such a blatant thing, and it it was just it was silly. So you got tickets to the game? We do through the uh, through the radio station, oh, the Pacers at, affiliate. Look at you guys! I assume decent seats. That's uh, actually uh, we get like four tickets for games that we can pick, and then we get a suite for one night. Oh, it's our, it's, and it's our sweet night. Sweet night for Donnie. I love it. That's awesome. Uh, I'm happy for you guys. Going up there with some friends. How come I didn't get the invite? I'm part of the and you can, you can You can get the invite. I'm sure we have some extra tickets. I'm part of the radio station. <laughs> I'd like to go up there. That's okay. Whatever. Uh, again, Texas only Thornton's text line at 502 414 Let's get into... I don't know how this became the conversation that has gripped the city the last 48 hours or so. I, I guess it's just because... Nobody really wants to talk about the season anymore, even though we just won a game, even though Louisville just knocked off Georgia Tech. In case you haven't heard. It's a thing that happened. We won by 10. Wasn't even close. Wasn't even dominate is what people are saying. I was there. He was there. He saw it firsthand. The cards rolled to a 68-58 victory on Wednesday night. Now we're trying, look, we're trying to get out of the cellar for good. If you knock off Florida State tomorrow, it might be like the Scoots uh, TK bet. It might be an insurmountable lead. I'm not sure Georgia Tech can get back. I don't know if that—I think two wins may be too much for them. And even if they beat us, it would come down to a tiebreaker, which I guess they'd probably win because they have the win over Miami, but that's okay. Because the ACC does that thing where if you split the season series, it goes to whoever had the best win in the league standings. That's lame. It it is lame. They they beat Miami, so they'd probably have us there. But they're not beating us in February. That's that's all that matters. They're not beating us later this month. But the conversation has become— what should a realistic expectation for Kenny Payne be next season? And it's an odd conversation to have. For, I mean, let's just let's be real. It's an odd conversation to be having on February third when you're. This is supposed to be the most important part of the current season. I mean, we're in an ideal world. Louisville is looking to better its seed. We're we're checking bracketologies. We're we're doing daily net rankings updates. We're. What is our net ranking update? Last I saw, it was three twenty nine. Uh, we did rise six spots after the win over Georgia Tech. Yeah, we did. I'm surprised if we beat Georgia Tech by ten. We didn't. We we only rose, uh, I think, six spots in Ken Palm and six spots in the net, which seems like we should get more. But that's how long till somebody we are still beating us at the Yum Center becomes a quad three win for them. Uh, we that's a long a long way away. <laughs> it's not basically not this year is the answer to that question. We're not getting into the the, the top 150, which is what it would take. It's it's not happening. But we should be talking about what this team needs to do to maybe get the double bye, win an ACC title. Instead, we're sitting here talking about what does next year need to look like. We don't even know what the roster is going to look like next year. We have no idea who's coming back from this year's team. We know Caleb Glenn signed. We know Curtis Williams is signed. We know Karan Davis is signed. Uh, we think that there's another player from the African Basketball Academy who's going to join the fray. We assume Emmanuel Okorafor is going to come back for next year after he's getting some some early run here as a midseason addition. But outside of that, we have no idea if we're going to be able to even field what looks on paper to be a competitive roster, or at least more competitive than this one has been. Yet and still, we're still have we're having this argument right now about where the bar should be for Kenny Payne's second season. I I know that it's been look, we've had the discussion on the show before. Not as directly as this, but it has come up uh, a few times. And I think that the the reason why this has exploded in the last 48 hours or so is that Rick Bozich, who is seen as someone who is 
close to Kenny Payne and sympathetic to Kenny Payne, wrote a story talking about the road now to relevance. You've got three wins right now. How do you get back to being Louisville basketball under Kenny Payne? And he says it's complicated. And the line that, that has kind of driven this conversation here locally has said is this. There can't be another 3-19 and 19 with 9-10 and 10 lose, game losing streaks. But it's silly to expect a 20-win season in 2024. Getting back to 500 seems like a reasonable expectation. Developing a team that doesn't throw the basketball onto, the, onto River Road and defends like crazy, crazy will be a start. The last line I think we can all agree on. And I, I think if you want to have a secondary conversation, I think the last line, we can also wonder aloud why that hasn't been the case this year. I think that was the bar for this team. We expected them to be certainly defend like crazy. I mean, Kenny Payne said that we had to win with defense. We have not defended anybody like crazy this season, and the turnovers have not gotten better from game one to game 22. But the the notion that it's silly to expect a 20-win season, maybe expect is too strong, but to think that we should have a 20-win season for a second-year head coach at a place like Louisville is just something that I cannot vehemently disagree with enough. And Trevor and I have been singing this since the, the beginning of the season. We, we both laid out our four-year vision for Kenny Payne here. And people at the time, I mean, people before the season thought that we were being too lenient. Certainly they thought I was being too lenient in year one. My Trevor said for year one he wanted to be in the conversation on Selection Sunday, be, be at least have a glimmer of hope going to Selection Sunday that we might hear our name called. I thought this team wasn't going to be able to do that. Um, I, I thought that they would win 10, 11, 12 games. And my expectation, my hope, was that they would be as good as last year's team, which seemed like a low enough bar to set given that we all described last year's team as the worst of our lifetimes. Year two, TK and I both said, make the NCAA tournament. It's Louisville. You can restructure your roster in a way that you could not do even five years ago. There's really no excuse, barring some sort of NCAA multi-year postseason ban or other sanction that was going to just completely have that dark cloud hovering even lower above you, you should make the NCAA tournament in your second year. Year three, I wanted to be you know, competing for maybe not top four in the ACC, but competing for a top four spot in the ACC. And I thought that we should be making the NCAA tournament easily. It should be, you know, what seed are we going to be? Should be the conversation when February 3rd rolls around, not are they going to make the field? And then year four, you've had four full seasons. You should be operating. If you're the man, if you're the guy who's going to be the next great coach in college basketball, which is why you hire somebody at a place like Louisville, you should be having this program operating at its maximum capacity. You, you should be full steam ahead. And I don't think that that's outrageous, especially in this day and age, and especially given the fact that we now know that the NCAA punishment was a lighter slap on the wrist than anyone could have foreseen five months ago. And yet here we are, and because the season has been such a colossal failure, we've got people who are like, well, you can't expect to go from three wins to 20 wins. You shouldn't have expected to have three wins this season. That's You don't get to, to lower the bar for year two because the bar for lower one was drop-kicked and snapped in half because it was such a monumental disaster. That's not the way that this works. I'm surprised that there are so many people out there that are, are still kind of defending this. I mean, if we had seen the first stages of you know, solid building blocks, laying the foundation for the future this season, despite the record, 
that would be one thing. If we'd seen a system that seems like it's going to definitely work, we don't even know what the system is still. We're 22 games into this year. We, I mean, you had Jerry Eves, who's as close to Kenny Payne as anybody, who's saying, like, like we're, we're all over the place defensively. He needs to commit to one system. We don't even know what he wants to run full-time moving forward. We have not seen them play like their life's dependent on it really at any point this year, certainly not consistently. We don't seem to have seen the improvement that you'd like to see from a, a team in any year, let alone a, a, under a first-year head coach. Like, There's no guarantee that this is going to get significantly better next season, even with players coming in, and we're supposed to lower our expectations because of that? I, I just don't buy it. Sorry, do you want to weigh in, Patrick? Saying that year three is the first year you should expect to be in the conversation for the tournament should not be. It shouldn't even be said. It shouldn't, and it's, it's especially true. It's kind of a slap in the face when you're seeing other programs. I mean, Kansas State was a abysmal team. They were worse than we were last year. Worse than we were. They go out, they hire a coach who, by the way, had never been a head coach before in Jerome Tang, lifelong assistant at Baylor, was seen as being instrumental in Scott Drew's X's and O's evolution. I mean, he's the guy who went, took Scott Drew from, I'm getting one and dones, but we don't really know how to play defense. We're, we're letting everybody score on us, but my God, we've got talent. And he took that program into, we play our absolute asses off on defense, and you are going to fear going up against us because how relentless we are. That was Jerome Tang. He was the, the, the orchestrator of that. He goes to Kansas State, and guess what? They go from clearly the worst team in the Big 12 to a top five team in one year. I've brought up the Iowa State comparison a number of times. They had two wins two seasons ago. Two wins. They won 22 games last year and went to the Sweet 16. To say that Iowa State can do it, Kansas State can do it, but somehow at Louisville that's asking too much because we were in a worse spot, we weren't. This whole rewriting history of how bad we were is its mind-blowing to me. We all knew, I mean, last year was supposed to be the worst team of all time. We won 13 games. It was a down year. It wasn't a two-win season like Iowa State had. It wasn't a almost going 0-4 in the conference like, like, like Kansas State had. And yet here they are, zero time in put, putting their foot down on the pedal, not just getting back to you know, being a relevant program, but being better than they have been in a long, long time. And we're sitting here, we're like, uh, four years, maybe we can make the NCAA tournament. I just don't buy it. It's especially a slap in the face, I think, when you take into account that, you know, there was a huge argument about Kenny Payne this time last year before, you know, we were even ready to hire a head coach. The, the, the talk was already out there, the pros and the cons of Kenny Payne. And, I mean, on this show, I was certainly very weary, very worried about hiring Kenny Payne. But the the pushback to that push was always, you know he's going to get you players. And the, the same people who now are saying you've got to give him three, four years were the same ones who were the most vocal about, if you want a quick turnaround, there's only one guy to hire, and it's Kenny Payne. Other coaches can come in here. They're going to implement their systems. They're going to implement their, co- their cultures. They're going to go get lower-level players. And maybe we can be good in two or three years. But if you want to turn this thing around instantly, Kenny Payne's the only coaching candidate who's going to bring, be able to bring in the level of talent that can make that happen. Has not happened at all. Have, has not come close to happening. And, by the way, if you're looking out there on the horizon, it doesn't look like it's going to happen anytime in the near future. 
if you're looking at that 2024 class, we got to get it going a little bit. 2025, kind of the same thing. The players that we are in on, the players who are talking about us, uh, being the ones who are recruiting them the hardest, are not the type of players that we thought we were going to be getting when Payne was hired. It was supposed to be instant. It, it was supposed to be quick. That's what you guys said, not us. And now it's become this this multi-year rebuild. And also the whole, like, I know that Kenny Payne told us all it was going to take some time. I know that he told us that this may, may be slow. He also told us at the beginning of the summer he thought this team was going to be good. We're all like, like, people are now saying the writing was on the wall of this two or three win season. I expected two or three. No, you didn't. Nobody did. People expected this team to be down. A lot of people expected them to overachieve. I mean, uh, you know, remember the, the first week after we lost the Noel Ryan game? People were talking about, well, we could have easily won. We just didn't want to play our guys the hardest. When we were going crazy about not having guards, that conversation became you don't need traditional guards to win at this level. Look at the way that Florida State plays. Look, look, that's worked out pretty well for them. We've got length. we got size. we got ball handlers on the wings. We're going to be just fine. And now it's we all knew they were going to be terrible. And we all knew it was going to take four years to get back. A, a multi-year rebuild, what are we talking about? This is not reality. Like, you are ignoring the reality of modern college basketball. This is a, this is a conversation for 2001. I mean, there are people that were mad that Rick Pitino just barely missed the NCAA tournament in his first season after what was a a dismal 12-19 and 19 team the year before, where, by the way, he couldn't go out and get new additions. He couldn't go out and get immediately eligible transfers. The only guys that he brought in that were supposed to be difference makers, he kicked off the team before the second semester got going. Still won 19 games, still damn near made the NCAA tournament, still made a run in the NIT. And the next year, by the way, year two, won the conference, four seed in the NCAA tournament. That was before you had the advantages that you have right now. I'm not saying that you can't see progress next year without going to the NCAA tournament. I'm just saying let's not let's not throw the man a parade if we go like 13 and 18 next year. Let's not let's not think that we're going to be back if we go 14 and 17 next year. It doesn't have to be this way. And if you if you do get like an influx of talent, if you land some big time transfers and you only go 14 and 16 and you're saying it's a sign of, you know, of progress or whatever, how great do you think that this program can be? when we start getting even better players, like what is the, we've seen the bottom now. We've seen how low this can get. How high do we think this, this can get? If the low is this low, can the high be the highest of highs? Cause let's not forget. That's the goal here. The goal isn't getting back to the NCAA tournament three years from now and being a 10 seed and getting beat in the first round and thinking that's okay. This having that mentality. And I'm not saying like Louisville is, we should be number one every year. We should win national titles every five years, anything like that. I am saying that we should be in the conversation just about every year because that's the standard here. It is. If you're a top six, top seven program in the history of the sport, you should be in the conversation about every year. And my worry is that we've gotten to a point now where 10 years from now, we're going to be like a 20th ranked team hosting like an 18th ranked NC State team and it's going to be the biggest game in a long time around here. And our kids are going to look at us and be like, yeah, this is supposed to be a big game. Like, like there's 
10,000 people here. This is kind of cool, I guess. And we'll have to tell them these stories about how 20 years ago, every game was like, was, was twice as big as this. And the, the city stopped when you had a top 25 matchup and the, the place was filled to the brim and they're not going to believe it. And that's, I think that's where setting your expectations as low as it seems like we're doing right now, which is really, really surprising. If you had told me a year ago when we didn't know who the coaching hire was going to be, could have been, could have been Scott Drew, could have been Musselman, could have been Cronin, could have been Payne, could have been somebody we hadn't even heard of. If you told me it was going to be anybody and that this team would be 3-19 in, in, in February, I would have said that you'd have like a near unanimous contingent of Cardinal fans that were just furious, that couldn't believe it got this bad, that were all convinced that the wrong hire had been made. And that's not the case. I mean, you have a lot of people out there, and look, I'm not telling you that they're wrong. They may wind up being right. Who knows? But who are saying that this is okay, and if it's not insanely better next year, that's okay too. And I just don't buy it because those same people, and it's not just them, it's everybody. If you talked to them 12 months ago and said, what are your expectations for whoever we hire? They all to a person would have said, something along the lines of making the NCAA tournament the second year. If you had told them, should you expect to be at least in the NCAA tournament in the second year? They would say yes. And they would probably have better expectations than that. They would say, we want to be safely in the NCAA tournament. A lot of them would have said, we want to be in the NCAA tournament in year one. And now we're sitting here and we're like, well, if they can get close to 500, that might be good enough. And I just can't disagree more. I can't. I mean, the... First-year head coaches doing it at Iowa State last year and Kansas State this year should be evidence enough that he has to make the tournament in year two. It's evidence enough that it, it can be done at programs that have far fewer built-in advantages than we do. And if you want to talk about the dark clouds, why he's not doing it in year one, one, he should be able to do it in year two. Two, Louisville with any sort of dark cloud should be recruiting better than Iowa State and Kansas State without a dark cloud. You would think so. You would think so. All right, let's take a break. When we come back, we can get some thoughts from you guys on the text line. Also, Kenny Payne uh, did talk to the media today about tomorrow's game against Florida State and also recapping the win over Georgia Tech. We'll let you hear his comments as well. Keep it locked right here on 1450 and 96.1, the Big X. Stole my bike, different day, same shit, nothing good In the hood, I run away from this bitch and never come back if I could Hated the love of the underdogs on top And I'm gonna shine, homie, until my heart stop Go ahead, envy me I'm Raps MVP And I ain't going nowhere So you can get no music Hated the love of the underdogs on top Yep oh. Alright, oh, yeah. I, I clicked Killed the wrong it. thing Oh, it's okay It's okay Is it a G-Unit Friday? Uh, no Okay, well, first two were I liked it I liked it, it's good Abrupt end, though. I was still finishing my apple. I was. Drop the ball. <laughs> it's okay. I'm fading it down with one end. I hit the. I hit. I clicked with the other hand. It was paused. It, it happens to the best of us. Uh, welcome back in. It's the Friday edition of the Mike Rutherford Show here at 1450 and 96. One intern Patrick in the house today for the still ailing Trevor Kelsey. Hope your weekend's off to a fantastic start. Spend some time with us today. Texas at 502 414 1450. Patrick, are you worried at all about the Chinese uh, balloon? Spy balloon slash weather balloon that they claim now is uh, has 
inappropriately entered into United States airspace. I'm worried about it. You worried? Worried sick. I've got to call out my wife. I don't know if she's listening right now, but this morning, I guess she hadn't seen the story yesterday when it was out there. She's watching the Today Show, and I'm getting Virginia up. She's got John out in the main room, and she's like, "I." She's like, "I swear." She's like, "I saw this yesterday when I was walking Penny," and I was like, "Well, it's in Montana, so I, I, I don't think you did. I think it also came from the Pacific to Montana, so it would be a." A hell of a coincidence if you did. Maybe there's another one. Maybe there's another one that's just very concerned about everything that's happening inside the Waterson Expressway, but I'm not sure if that's the case. It's got to be the case. My buddy, I told my She friend, wouldn't lie about that. She wouldn't make that up. She, she wouldn't be she wrong. I was like, I think that may have just been the moon. I think it was just out earlier than usual. My buddy was like, <laughs> the Chinese are just like, we've got to see this Kenny Payne up close. There's no way it's this bad. I was like, there are, the whole world is tuned in to what's going on here. I also love the people who are like, what's the Space Force doing? The Chinese are really concerned about what's going on in Montana. They, at, a lot of activity out there. Who knows? Uh, the Space Force was like, it's too low for us. It's not in our jurisdiction. We're space. It's not technically space. I'm like, well, can we get like some sort of, do, do we need a fourth branch now that's like the intermediate airspace force? What are Ch- we doing? Chinese were like, this Yellowstone show is pretty good. What's going on? wonder what's going on. I'm, the Space Force is fascinating to me because I thought it was going to be one of those things that like, you know, Trump did, and we were all kind of like, "Whoa, that seems kind." Even people who like Trump were like, "That seems kind of kind of weird, kind of silly." And then we had a new president come in, and I was like, "This will probably go away." The Space Force is still rocking. Like, if you go to an to an event that has the flags, like you'll see the Army flag, you'll see the Navy flag, you'll see the Space Force flag out there. It like I'm worried that it's going to be one of those deals where, like, 30 years from now, we're going to realize there was something very serious the Space Force was was doing. We're like, "Oh, there was legitimate purpose." For right now, it's just kind of like what. What are they actually doing besides spawning a not great comedy show on Netflix that lasted two seasons? Besides that, they haven't really. I don't. I don't know what's going on over there. I'm very intrigued though. Maybe you can join the Space Force after college, Patrick. No, I don't think it's in the cards. I don't think they do much. Yeah. So, five zero two four one four fourteen fifty is the Thornton text line. We'll take some text now. First segment we talked about. I mean, I I get that it's a, a a topic that maybe people are sick of hearing about right now because. It's basically more complaining slash defending of Kenny Payne, but it's it's basketball season. When people keep talking about, I'm sick of you guys talking about the same thing all the time. We talk about Louisville basketball during basketball season. It's what we do around here. When there are games, we discuss the games. We talk about being three and nineteen. We talk about getting a win over Georgia Tech. Like it's what we do around. I mean. I don't think you guys want us to talk spring training, which is about to start. I think you want to talk about pitchers and catchers reporting. I just, I mean, what do you, what do you want me to say? It's We're, we're going to talk about this. Uh, 502-414-1450. Some text from you guys now. Your thoughts. Texas says, first things first, ask TK if he knows about the balloon. TK is not here today. But Patrick knew about it, which, let's be real, I had a lot of faith that Patrick would have at least heard about it. I would not have had much faith that TK would have heard about it. There's no way Trevor's heard about the balloon. No way. No way. No way. Zero. Texas says, I read on Card Chronicle where Tim Sullivan said Payne deserved another year. He may not get one, but on what planet does he deserve it? Or he may get one, but on what planet does he deserve it? I think that's a different conversation. I mean, I think if you want to make the... I think that conversation is that everybody deserves at least two years. Even guys who come into programs like Louisville, and if they went 0-31, 0-32, they would still deserve a second year because... You got to give them time to get their guys in, get their culture established, and you can, you can debate that one way or the other. I think that's 
a more logical debate than this whole getting to 500 in year two at Louisville is a reasonable accomplishment, and people should celebrate it. I, I, I don't I don't buy that. You see the Arizona player that had 40 points last night? I did not. 40 and 9. Who was it? I wish I could tell you his name. Arizona has all those foreign players. They do. Uh, I guarantee. Azuolis yes. Tubelis. Tubelis. Is the, he's their best player this year. He probably, probably is going to be an All-American. Uh, I did not know that he dropped 40 and 9 last night. I was too busy locked into the Donovan Mitchell stuff. No, I think you were probably asleep by the time that game was going on. They pl- they played a little bit earlier. They played at 9, I think, against Oregon. Yeah. I'm assuming they won. Because I watched, when I was going to sleep, the West Coast Conference games were on. The Gonzaga was playing and St. Mary's was playing at the same time. Third Wildcat to ever score 40-plus in the McHale Center. Ooh, I, can, I, can I guess the other two? I don't know the other The uh-huh. other two are pulled up. I'm, but. I'm, I'm treating you like Trevor treats me. We're just like follow-up questions to every statement. Uh, I assume, I'm going to guess Salim Stoudemire was one, but I can't, I don't know, Chase Budner? Who knows? Uh, St. Mary's, by the way, did beat San Francisco last night. UAB, I was wrong about that, beat Florida Atlantic. Gonzaga took care of Santa Clara. UCLA, as both Trevor and I said, won but did not cover against Washington. Arizona won. Uh, I think they did cover against Oregon. And then Houston, yeah, a little, little dicey, but wound up winning by nine against Wichita State. The game we picked on Tuesday, we both got wrong. We did. I've been bad about spreads this week. I think UCLA I got. Arizona, I can't remember which way I, I landed, but I think I was – I know I picked them to win, but I think I may have picked Oregon to cover, which I don't think they did. And Florida Atlantic, I know I was wrong. Uh, it's kind of a lame – Lame Friday night, one ranked team. The, the one game that's on is good. Boise State, San Diego State will be a lot of fun. Um, the mid-major madness account was excited about the slate tonight. Well, you've got... There must be some good mid-major games. The, there always are on Friday nights. You, you've got San Diego State, Boise State will be a good game in the Mount West. You've got Ivy League playing, which is whatever. Uh, I own a place tonight, but not against anybody good. I don't know what they're excited about. I mean, Mount West is, is a fun conference, but besides that, I mean, VCU-St. Louis, I guess, is a good game. There you go. And that's a couple good games. Texas says, lowering expectations is far more dangerous than sucking for one year. If you think Payne should get one more year, I disagree, but I understand. If you're already arguing that he needs a third year because year two could also suck, then you're just not facing the fact that Payne may not be a good head coach. This is kind of what where my stance is that I'm talking about with the last text. I think you can argue effectively that anybody who's hired deserves a second year. You could also argue effectively that it's in Louisville's best interest to give them a second year, both for financial reasons and if you want to say the job won't be attractive to, to candidates because they got rid of one guy in the middle of one season. My, my pushback to that would be if you're go- the pool of candidates that you're going to be going after are probably guys who have had success as head coaches before. I mean, you know, if Josh Hurd were going to pull the plug on Kenny Plain after after one season, he's definitely not going to go out there and hire another guy who doesn't have head coaching experience or who doesn't have successful head coaching experience. All of those guys that you would be taking on, they're not going to look at this program and say, well, if I win five games in my first year, I might get fired. They're all going to look at this and say, I'm, I'm turning that thing around quickly. Like, I'm going to be the guy who's hailed as a conquering hero because I go in there and I win 20 games in year one. And I'm going to win national titles there. They're going. I mean, Chris Mack had that had that view when he came in. It did not work out, but he certainly didn't come in here being like, "Well, worst case scenario, I'm terrified that if I only win six games, they might get rid of me, or if I don't go to the NCAA tournament in my second year, they might get rid of me." Like that's not going to enter into anybody's mind. That's not going to make it a less attractive job because all these dudes have been successful and they have the mentality that wherever they go, they're going to kill it. So I, I, when people say that, I don't 
I, I don't really buy that. But I do agree that lowering expectations to the point where you're embracing mediocrity and celebrating, you know, being a nine seed four years from now. I mean, my God, we're talking about if we, if you don't think that Kenny Payne needs to go to the NCAA tournament next year, and you're saying it may take four years to get there, we're talking about 2026. That would mean that in damn near a, a full decade, we've been to one NCAA tournament, two NCAA tournaments, I guess, and won one NCAA tournament game. And we would have gone from 2020, I guess from 2019, through 2026 with zero, without hearing our name called on Selection Sunday. That's, I just, I, I just, I, I, I feel like I'm, Insane when people are saying this and saying that it's okay here. When has that ever been the the expectation here? I want to go and I put it on the website today. I actually I, somebody sent it to me. They had seen it on one of the message boards. I, I wish I knew which one so I can give them credit. But it's a story from Gene Wojciechowski, who's been a big time writer for a long time. This is back in 1991. Had a lengthy L.A. Times story on Louisville's season. This was almost exactly 32 years ago to the day. It was February 5th, 1991. Louisville was 7-11. and 11. This is the season where they wound up finishing 14-16. and 16. They made a kind of a miracle run to the Metro Conference championship game and they lost to, to Florida State. But everybody is talking about, like Denny Crum's asked how, how the season's going and he's like, it's terrible. This is embarrassing. Uh, people are talking about how there's only six weeks until spring football begins. It, it is so much stuff that's like what we're dealing with right now, but it's almost more extreme. Like the fan base is is furious. Like the, the Crum is getting blasted. This is a guy who's won two national titles. His most recent national title has just been five years ago. And by the way, we played a much tougher non conference schedule back then. They're talking about playing UNLV. That UNLV team. I don't know if you remember ninety ninety one. Pretty damn good. We lost them by twelve, ninety five to eighty three. Not a horrible loss. It's not like losing by thirty two to a Texas Tech team that would go on to have one win in the Big 12. But like, like, it's amazing to me going back and reading it, and they're talking about you know, Denny Crum is upset with how he's being treated by the university. He's not getting enough money, uh, but he's talking about how we, we just aren't good at basketball. The university's coming hard, down hard on Crum about his graduation rates. like All this stuff. Like it, it's The sky is falling. The headline actually says Denny Crum's empire is crumbling, and we're 7-11. and 11. Like we'd kill to be, you know, four games below 500 right now. We'd kill to be, you know, 13 and, and, and 17. And instead, like, this is this is the worst thing in the world, that we might not make the NCAA tournament in 1991 after that, that level of success that we had had under Crum, who took the program from very good to elite of the elite. And we're sitting here, and people are like, yeah, maybe they need to get rid of him. Maybe he needs to go somewhere else. Maybe like, they're interviewing John Wooden and all this stuff. It, it, it's just... Check it out if you have the time. It's a fairly lengthy read. Again, that's how much time back then that a paper like the Los Angeles Times was going to de- dedicate to Louisville basketball having a four games below 500 type season. They also mention, make mention of the fact that you know Crum is staring down the potential embarrassment of setting a new program record for losses, which was 18 at that time. They didn't. Uh, the record now is 20 from that 98 team, which we're one win away for one loss away from tying, and we're definitely going to break this year. And like it's. The, the main theme is like none of this is okay and everybody's furious. And now we're sitting here at three and 19, 10 times worse. And people are like, eh, it's kind of okay. I just, 
I don't, I, I don't really get it. I don't, I don't understand it. Texas says it's one thing to say that Kenny is a guy who will get guys immediately, but what has he ever shown to make us believe that he is the guy to lead a successful multi-year rebuild? The only evidence that we had was recruiting, and that he has failed at. We have no evidence at all that he's a program builder. <laughs> I think that's where a lot of the nervousness right now that a lot of people have is based on. I really do wish I could answer that question. Phrase like a phrase that text like a question, and I wish I could answer it, but I can't. I can't either. Uh, I mean, the conversation that that was going on twelve months ago was about how this was still a big guess with Kenny Payne. Like, like his his biggest strengths were all his biggest weaknesses. Like, you you didn't have you could push back against guys like like Cronin and you know, Matt Painter and talk about their lack of NCAA tournament success. And you couldn't do that with Payne because he's never been a coach before. Like he, he was just a, this great big mystery, this great big guess. And I think we were hoping, I think we knew that we weren't going to have all the answers after year one, just because like he, he didn't have a chance to recruit the, the 2022 class. He, I mean, I, I, I think he could have built a better roster in the transfer portal. I also think that having that NCA cloud absolutely hindered him with some of the guys that they were targeting in the transfer portal. I think that that's an excuse for sure, for some of the players who chose to go elsewhere. I, again, I don't think it's a full-on excuse for not getting a guard or not getting a roster that was able to be more competitive, but I do think there are reasons why this year's roster was going to be worse than, theoretically, it should be in every year moving forward. But I think we thought that we would have more answers about his coaching acumen. I think we thought we would have more answers about his recruiting for the future. And we're sitting here now, and it's all just still, still guessing. Let me say again. The people who are saying that he deserves at least three, four years, and then it may take three, four years to, to get this thing going, they may be right. I disagree. They might be right. I don't know any more than they do. We're all just guessing. Let's say I mean, maybe we win 13 games next year, and I'm like, you've got to fire him. This isn't good enough. We're not going in the right direction. We're never going to be elite with this guy coaching. And they choose to give him another year, and they make the NCAA tournament in year three, and they win a national title in year four. It could happen. The problem is there's no real piece of evidence right now that points in that direction. The only reason to believe that is I believe it. It's the old Trevor Kelsey logic. Well, that's wrong because it is. We're not recruiting. We're not land. We've got no five stars in tow. We're not leading for any of the five stars in 2024. We have no idea how this spring is going to go with the transfer portal, but we know that it didn't go well last spring or last summer in the transfer portal. And as far as, I mean, maybe it is all the players. The fact of the matter is he hasn't been able to get through these, to the, these players. And maybe no coach in America could. But we know that he hasn't been able to either. And that's, you can't put like, well, we, we know that when he gets that elite talent, he's going to be able to, to get the most out of them. You can't say that right now because he has not been able to get the most out of the guys that he has at his disposal right now. It's all just a gigantic guess. All we can do is work with the evidence that we have right now. The evidence isn't much, and what it is 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 bad. <clears throat> Texture says, I've been confused about what KP about the KP culture, seeing as he was brought in known for recruiting one and dones at UK. I, I think that you can still say that I mean Calipari had a culture at Kentucky. Say what you want about the guy. The one thing that I'll always say in his favor is he's been the best in this era at taking 
players who very clearly are coming to college just to be on campus for six, seven months, you know, play as well as they can, and then go become millionaires. He's taken all those guys with all those same goals, all those same mindsets, and he's been able to, at least in those first several years, mold them into to some cohesive unit where everybody's on the same page and everybody's willing to put team before self. And they were wildly successful from 2010 through 2015 doing that. And, I mean, if you want to say through 2017, then that, that's fine, too. That, that Fox Monk team, you know, they're a couple shots away from probably winning a national title. That was the culture, right? Five-star kids coming in. You know, Anthony Davis, I don't know if you heard of this, didn't take the most shots in that 2012 team. All of that stuff. What we don't know is how the culture is going to work at a place like Louisville when we're recruiting the types of kids that we are right now, when we're bringing in four-star back end of the top 100 kids, when we're bringing in guys from the African Basketball Academy, when we're bringing in junior college players. like These are guys who don't come to Louisville with the thought process of, I'm the man. I mean, maybe they have the I'm the man process, but like I'm going to be a lottery pick in seven months. Get out of my way. I'm making money. I'm here to win. Let's get like how does he build a multi-year roster where you're hopefully developing guys from freshmen into great college players as juniors? Like he's never really been a part of that system before. And maybe back in his Oregon days, but at UK that's not what they've done effectively. They've had some guys that have have gone from, you know, well thought of but not elite freshman players who have become really good college players by their their junior senior seasons. But that's not, I mean, that's not their identity. It was certainly wasn't the identity when Payne was there. Um, so it, like, we have these vague references to culture, and I'm with the texture. We still don't really know exactly what that entails. Texas, uh, I still have no idea what spell Kenny Payne has put over this fan base to make them think that somehow taking three or four seasons to just make the tournament is acceptable. Have the scandal-ridden past several years just broken this fan base so bad that any progress is, uh, no matter how small, acceptable now. I think you have that last sentence as kind of a throwaway sentence. I think there's some truth to that. I think that there is a, a contingent of fans that are so, they, they got just so upset with the gross stuff off the court and the, you know, the, the even the Chris Mack, the mini scandal with the FBI thing, that they're like, this is a good man. This is a guy who's going to do things the right way. This is a guy who's going to keep us out of the, you know, the off the court headlines. We're not going to be on CNN or Fox News for, can you believe what's happening at Louisville? Let's let him cook. Let's let him see what he can do. And let's give him the benefit of the doubt because the guys in the past have won enough. But, my God, it was it was kind of gross following the team. I think there's some truth to that. I don't know if we win five games next year. It's progress. I'm not. I, I'm, I'm more with the first part of that text where I also, I, I never thought I'd see the day where there'd be people who were like, you know, we won four or five games in year one. And it's not good. But I still think that there's going to be, you know, this can work. And if, if we win only 14 or 15 games next year, I'm still going to be convinced that it can work. We, I mean, I don't think any other coach that we could have hired would be getting that treatment right now. Like a, a coach that if you had a guy who you knew was successful, because that's it was either pain or it was a guy that had success somewhere else. Who, Whether it was, you know, Cronin, Musselman, Drew, McMahon, whoever you, you, you were talking about out there, they would have come from a program where they were a successful head coach. And if they had come here and in year one flopped at a historic level, 
nobody would be saying if they just get us to, to 13, 14 wins. Okay, I got faith. It'd be, why is it not working here when it was working there? Clearly, that was a fluke there. This guy doesn't know what he's doing. We got to move on. And yet, here we are, and this has become a four-month argument. Texas, amen, Mike. The moving of the goalpost has to stop. I feel like I'm taking crazy pills. We get somebody saying that at least once a week. I feel like saying it at least 15 times a show. Where I'm just, I'm amazed that this reaction has been so divided. That, that there's been another side and a, a loud other side. But here we are. And again, I'm not saying that they're definitely not right. That, that, that they're absolutely wrong. They could be. They could be right. But I'm surprised that they're this large and, and vocal. I, I thought that any season in the history of Louisville basketball that was this bad would evoke just an almost unanimous voice of this isn't good enough, this is really really bad. We have to think seriously about moving on. Even if it was with the head coach like like in the Crumb, the ninety. I mean, we had that voice in the Crumb season that I was just talking about in '91, where he was five years removed from his second national title of the decade. He was two years removed from being named the coach of the best program of the decade, and we're like, man, this isn't good enough. We have when his contract ends in two years, this man just might not have it anymore. That was Denny Crum we were talking about, and yet here we are with a five times worse team, and we're like, yeah, I still think this may be okay. Um, Texas Mike, what is this Discord thing that everyone? I, I still don't. Do you have any idea about Discord? Discord, yeah. I, I mean, I know of it. I don't know. It's like mainly like video game stuff. I think. Oh, is it? Yeah. That, that's where all the journalists went who were like, Twitter's gonna explode so i'm going to discord yeah it's like video games and then like uh nfts they run discord why would like so why would it's like a it's like a chat room like why would journalists have a discord i don't know but you have like people join your discord like like a popular like game will like have like a discord and like maybe like a popular voice in that games community is going to have a discord and like people that like their fans and stuff join that Discord server and they like talk about the game and stuff. But I don't know why journalists would have it really. I don't either. And there's you can talk too. Like a lot of like people like use it to like talk to each other. Like there's like voice chats. I'm too old to learn a new social media thing. I, I, don't, I don't. I don't even. I don't want to learn. I don't anything. even know if it's really a social media. But like everybody's saying, like the people who are like, if Twitter breaks down. Tonight, if, if Twitter's gone in the morning, you can follow me on Discord here. I'm like, I don't want to do that. I feel like I feel like Reddit would be more, would work better for journalists. But, but I don't know. But what Reddit, do I know? you don't have like your own pages. It's all like groups. It's all. Discord's kind of groups too, though. But like if yeah, you own know. it, you can like post your own stuff, I guess. And it's more important. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. What's going I don't know. On. I have a Discord. I don't use it, but I have it. Oh, okay. Well, there you go. Do you, are you on the talk? You TikToking? I have a TikTok, yeah. Yeah. See, I, I refuse to get on TikTok, but my friends all send me links. So Dugan just, has a TikTok. Du, Dugan has a TikTok? Well, now Dugan I feel like I've got to get on TikTok. It's, it's, they're pretty funny. The Chinese are getting all your information, though. Yeah. They got balloons out there and they got the TikTok. When, when, when all that stuff was going down, we were, we were at the lake with uh, some friends and like they were, they were, everybody was like talking about it. It was one of my cousin's friends. They were like, they're like, he's like, why are they shut, trying to shut down TikTok? We're like, because they're stealing your data. He goes, I got unlimited data. <laughs> I mean, my, my data is everywhere. You can find out anything about anybody if you want to already. Like We're all screwed if that's if that's what we're worried about. I text us Discord is similar to Slack, but it includes voice chat for gamers. So I still don't understand. I mean, Slack was like great for work, but if you're trying to like share, 
I don't know. I don't. I don't think Discord would really work for journalists. Just keep that. the engine going. But what going, do I Elon. know? Just, just, just keep, just keep. Twitter. Come on, Elon. Just don't. Yeah, just, just keep it going. We, I don't want to go anywhere else. All right, we gotta take a break. We can come back four o'clock hour. I will let you hear from Kenny Payne, his press conference from yesterday or from today, I should say, getting ready for tomorrow's game against Florida State. We'll also take more of your texts at 502-414-1450. It's Mike Rutherford show here on fourteen fifty and ninety six one, the Big X. Now with five it's all starting to make sense. My mom's happy she ain't gotta pay the rent. And she got a red bow on that brand new bench. Waiting on shot money to land sitting in the rain. Got how they spent 30 million dollars on airplanes when his kids starving. Pockets going to Brenda still throwing he's in the garbage. I wanna know what's going on. Like I hear Marvin, no school books, they use that wood to build coffins. Whenever I'm in the booth and I get exhausted, I think what if Marie Baker got that abortion? In Friday edition of the Mike Rutherford Show here on 1450 The Big X. Hope your weekend is off to a fantastic start. Intern Patrick in for the ailing Trevor Kelsey today. Now, you said you were going with a theme today with the music. There is a theme. Is a theme a year? Because all these are about the same time. It's a little bit more specific okay. than just the time period. All right. Because I know that this is like, this is all 0304. It's around that time. Um, we'll have to keep listening. I'm excited. I'd like, these are all reminding me of like early college for me. God, I'm old. Terribly old. Horribly old. Um, 502-414-1450. In just a second, we'll take some uh, more text on the text line. We will play the Kenny Payne press conference. only about 11 minutes, so you can hear the entire thing as he gets ready for Florida State. But you guys had some lingering thoughts here on the the topic du jour, which has become what should reasonable expectations be for the Louisville basketball program in year two under Payne? Are people crazy for thinking that Near 500 is good enough. Are people crazy for thinking that making the NCAA tournament should be the bar? We'll we'll see about that. Also, you guys had some thoughts on the the Chinese spy balloon. Is it just a weather balloon? Is it ever just a weather balloon? Is it it's a is it a Chinese weather balloon? Is that that's what they said that they put out a statement saying it's a meteorological balloon. They apologized for it getting into American airspace. They weren't sure it happened. All that stuff. I feel like weather balloon has just been used to cover up everything over the years. Like, you know, it's... It's always a weather balloon. It's a UFO. It's a weather balloon. If it's a, you know, we thought it was a missile, it's just a weather balloon. Spy plane, weather balloon. Apparently Montana has a lot of nuclear weapons, is what people are saying. That's why the Chinese would be hovering over over Montana. It's got to be Yellowstone. They really like the show. <laughs> I, I don't know. Texas says the, the Chinese balloon is envious of the balloon glow. That's what it is. There's, They're trying to get to the... That's, the, that's what Mary saw. Montana. They sent another one to try to join the Bloomgla. The Grizzlies, Montana Grizzlies, are taking all of our recruits. All the five stars are going to start flocking there. If we can just get these kids to that balloon glow. I'm telling you. That's what Kenny Payne needs to really start getting it going. Jeff Brom knows what he's doing. I like that the... I bet Wu Spencer's been to the balloon glow. Guarantee it. Guarantee it. I liked that. So I, I made the, the requisite joke when the quote came out about Jeff Brom saying, I like having the spring game the night before... Thunder over Louisville. You know, it, it's an exciting time for the city. Uh, it's an exciting. You, know, you you want to capitalize on all that enthusiasm. And I said, man, gets it. Like you, you got to get the five star recruits to the balloon glow. The official Derby Festival Twitter account was like, 
get him to all the events. They're like responding to the, to the, <laughs> the tweet because people were saying, you know, you got to get him to the chow wagon. Which would you rather go to, Jeff Ruby's on your visit or the chow wagon? I, sw- I swear Brady asked Dugan one time, when is the spring game normally? And he said it's usually the Friday before Thunder. So I, I think Dugan set the date for the spring game. Dugan's basically running the program these days. That's what I'm thinking. Get these recruits to the uh, the Great Steamboat Race. One of those Riverside parties that are wine and cheese. Jessica Polio, Jenna's mom, works for the KDF. I think I think she can help us get all these recruits to these events. I would like to be in the parade. I would like uh, <laughs> I'd like the Polio family to get me in the parade this year. Big X needs a float. The Big X does need a float. So I think they kind of sell the floats, and I think I don't know if we have the funds to make that happen. But we have we got the inside track. Uh, the the KDF also needs to do right by my wife because Mary, she'll let you know. She was first runner up for uh, Derby Queen, like her senior year of college, and she thinks it was all fixed. She she got screwed. They the the chair of the selection committee like knew the the girl who won or the new the girl who got it above her, and it was all it was it was all fixed. She just if you if you're ever around the next time you're around my wife, bring it up just casually. I do it every year where I'm like oh. It was actually last week. They're like they announced the the princesses uh, for this year. You should have done that in college. You would have been good at that. Like she, it just sets her off on a. T- she'll laugh. She'll make a quick joke, and then she'll launch into the story and talk about it seriously for like fifteen minutes. It still drives her crazy, but she'll always say, "At least I got to be a part of Bellarmine Senior Week. I wouldn't have got to do that if I'd been a, a, the, the queen." And that's when we met for the first time. Everything happens for a reason. It does. She hit on me at Kiko's. Still happened. Shocking. But true. Texas Mike at the beginning of the coaching search, would you rather have had KP or little Ricky P? Don't take into account all that has happened thus far. Like if it were just me, like because I said on Twitter, I thought Rick was, or I thought Richard was going to do great at New Mexico, and people were like, "Why? What evidence do you have?" And I'm like, "I think he's, I think he's a better coach than I think Minnesota's a really tough place to win." I think take into account what he did at FIU, where he went there, which they'd been abysmal. He won immediately. Uh, I think he knows what he's doing. And I think New Mexico has a solid infrastructure. They really support the the basketball program down there. I mean, the pit has been unreal this year for their home games. They had like 14,000 for like Air, Air Force. Force. Air Force. I mean, I, 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 was, I was talking to um, the beat writer down there who I love. I was like, you could only, like, there's six programs in America right now that could get 14,000 for a home game against Air Force. And guess what? We're not one of them. But New Mexico absolutely is, um, and he's done well down there. Now they're kind of coming back down to earth a little. Yeah, a little they're, bit they were the last undefeated team in college basketball. They were, and they're the Mountain West is a tough conference. They got beat down pretty good by Utah State the other night, and I think they've got four or five conference losses now. They'll, I think they'll be in the tournament, but they they should have won that Nevada game. They should have. They they screwed themselves at the end of the first overtime, and then they got screwed I bet in on. the second overtime. Yeah, I'm sorry about that, but they're. I think they'll make the tournament. I, I don't think that they're a top 25 team. But he's done a great job there in, in his second season. But at the time of the sell, I mean, you know, they had a bad year last year. He They finished, I think, second to last in the Mountain West. So if you're saying, I mean, I probably would have said Kenny Payne, even if I think that Richard is maybe the better coach, just because it's an impossible sell to the fan base. And there are a lot of coaches out there like that. Like, I mean, we talked about, you know, Steve Forbes, Todd Golden, who's, I think, doing well at Florida right now. You may think that long-term they're going to be really good head coaches. You may think that they're a good fit for your program. And then if given the chance, they'd kill it. 
but the timing's not right. But like, you cannot sell that to the fan base. You can sell Kenny Payne because the fan base knows him. You could sell the, his recruiting. So I think I'd have to answer the question. I'd have to say Kenny Payne. I would have. I would have just because Richard. Look, he he'd been to. The only thing that he did in Minnesota was beat us in the NCAA tournament, and he got fired at, at a program that we consider to be. We don't. I mean, not just we. Like everybody considers Minnesota to be below Louisville. Far like, pretty far below Louisville. He couldn't hack it there. Why do you bring him there? It, it would have been an impossible sell. Texture says, and again, we'll play the press conference here in a second, but Texture's KP salary for the next year plus the buyout after next year is more total money than just the buyout after this season. It's a fair point. I mean, all, all the people Great talk, point. Yeah, all, all the people talking about, because the buyout does drop to $8 million on April 1st. But if you're keeping him and you're saying, well, you know, it's the buyout's going to go down even more after year two. It's still less money than if you're getting rid of him after year one. So the financial, it, it's going to be whether you, if you're getting rid of him after the first year or the second year, the financial hit is going to be significant. And you're going to have to get those, replace those funds somewhere if you want to hire a big time coach who's going to demand big time money, which is, I mean, you might gotta, be why we named the stadium. Just saying. Well, maybe. I mean, you, you need the Could money. Could have contributed. You need the money, period. But, I mean, we are, remember, Wake, we're paying Kenny Payne. Less than we would have paid, had to have paid, say, Eric Musselman or somebody else who's more established success. Like we got Kenny, we got our head coach for relatively cheap based on what you would expect a program like Louisville to pay for a new head coach. Also, it should be mentioned, NATO's got a contract extension yesterday, which is going to keep him in Tuscaloosa through 29. And it's going to, getting him away from there now is going to be a lot more pricey for anybody, us, whoever than it was going to have been last year. Uh, he's, I mean, he's, he's killing it. They're the number two team in the country. They have legitimate national title aspirations. They're recruiting insanely well. Uh, he's, all the coaches that we were considering, besides Payne, they are now, to a man, more expensive than they would have been last year. Texas says, the frustrating thing is if we hadn't hired KP, certain fans boosters would have been super critical of the new head coach until he left and we eventually got KP, similar to how Sat was treated for Brom. Now those same fans are changing the standards. I, I I totally agree with that part. Like, and this was my one argument for pain last year was you know if this is going to happen, it needs to happen now, because Louisville had never been in more of a position where you could justify taking a big guess. And let's be real again, this is what the whole Kenny Payne thing is. It, it's a gigantic guess. We've never been in a position where that could be more justified than we were last offseason, because. We weren't exactly killing it. It wasn't like the, it wasn't like when Patino left when the program was was rolling. We'd won a national title four years before, and we'd been pretty good since then, and we were set up to be pretty good afterward. It wasn't like you know, <clears throat> it was a, the program was in a low spot, and you had the NCA confusion, you had the NCA cloud, you weren't in a position to hire the best of the best, like you feel like you should be at a place like Louisville, so. And, let's, and the, the former players have been clamoring for something like this for a long time. They were clamoring for it when, when Denny got forced out. They wanted Jerry Eves to get the job. They wanted you know some former player to have the job. They wanted more influence within the program. So this was the opportunity to, to let them have their shot, right? To get one of their own in there, see how it goes. Kenny Payne's been talked about. He was discussed ad nauseum when Chris Mack was hired. Now, okay, you guys think this can work? Let's give it a shot. And if it doesn't work, Two, three years down the line, you start over again, and hopefully you're in a position where you're outside of the NCAA cloud when you can 
be an attractive option. Some of the guys who maybe didn't want to step into that program when the future was more uncertain. And if it does work, best case scenario, one of your own is taking the program back to, to heights. He's doing it the right way, all that good stuff. It was the right time. If there was, if there ever is one, which my argument was there wasn't, but if there ever was a right time, it was last year to hire a guy like Kenny Payne. And look, if this is a monumental failure, failure, if he gets two years and next year's just as bad, or he gets three years, and let's say we win you know, 12, 13 games next season, and we win 12, 13 games or even less in, in year three, you can move on, and all that talk can be put to bed forever. You never have to deal with that again. You never have to deal with the, we got to get more former players in here. We have to have more former player influence. You can say, we tried it your way. It flopped. We're doing it our way from now on. Texture says, Payne and his staff say they're building a culture. What does it say about uh, the culture to players Is if he guts the roster? And we, we discussed that after the, I think, the, the Tuesday press conference where Danny Manning talked about the culture, the culture, the culture. And on one hand, you're hearing that. And on the other, you're hearing we have to have all new players next year. It's kind of, it does seem like it doesn't really, what doesn't really work, but I don't know. Seems contradictory. It does. Texas has intern Patrick ever heard of the balloon kid? Did you hear of, were you, are you familiar with balloon boy? Balloon boy. I don't think so. You would have been young. This would have been, I think I was working at the law firm. So this would have been like 11, 12 years ago. There was, it was a biggest story of the day. Big, like, one of the biggest early Twitter, early like social media stories, there like the national news like went live with this. There was a a balloon, like an, a weather balloon, that apparently had a six year old boy in it, and it was up in the air, and this family is like going crazy. They're like they're like our boys up there, our boys up there. It was in two thousand nine, in Fort Collins, Colorado, and like the. CNN's like covering the balloon up in the air and you know, how do we get this down? This, this poor kid's up there. How are we going to get him down safely? This is horrifying. It's terrifying. I remember there was a, I'm working at the, the law firm and one of the, uh, the, the paralegals is like, she's just bawling. She's, she's glued to the TV, just sobbing. She's like, I can't control it. I'm d-. And the balloon, they finally, it comes down and there's nothing in it. And it turns out that this, this family, they, they tried to lie and say, well, we thought he was in there. We couldn't find him. We found him hiding. It turns out it was just a big hoax. They did a documentary on it a few years ago. Um, but it was a, a very wild, early like, social media internet story. That is, that's pretty crazy. It's pretty wild. Pretty wild. Texas said, did Kenny Payne send a balloon to different continents to evaluate talent? Maybe. My thing is, what, what was that family's end game there? Just their 15 minutes of fame? They, they couldn't have made money off that. They... They were super weird. Like they, they had tried to get famous in a variety of ways. They had tried to like, you know, they tried to do like viral videos. They tried to like, basically, they were trying to get famous, and like they didn't think it through. If you watch the documentary, I can't remember what it was on, but it was. It's been several years since it came out. Like they're not the the brightest bulbs. Like they, they, they. they I don't think they thought this thing through. It was. Very silly, very dumb, but they, yeah, they, they, it was a, it was a total hoax, which I'm kind of shocked that we all just sort of fell for. It. We all just took these people's words, like, yeah, there's a kid in this balloon up there. You know what I mean? Because why would you lie about that? I, exactly, like you know, you, you can't get a shot of the, the the kid in the balloon. He wasn't like peeking his head over the side. You just, you, you didn't know. Texas, you alluded to it yesterday, but the staff is clearly trying to use the media more to get a point across. The simultaneous uh, Bozich and Sullivan stories about tampering, tempering expectations for next year are not a coincidence. 
the fan base make it clear that a the fan base must make it clear that a 500 record next year is not acceptable in any way. If there is to be a year two for the staff, making the tournament needs to be the minimum requirement for a year three. The media is absolutely being used, and look, every coach has done this to an extent. Like every, I, I talked about this one time when Sean was here. I'm like, you know, U of L has tried to to use me over the years for stuff, and Sean's like, we we tried, and like it never really worked. Like you'll always know when you see two or three people coming out with the same thing worded very similarly at about the same time that there's a message that's trying to get out there. And that's kind of happening right now with basketball. Um, and I don't even fault them for it. Like everybody does this everywhere, but take it for what it's worth. Like They're trying to dispel some narratives. I'm sure there are some things being said that they find frustrating because they think they're not true and they're trying to correct them. I think the better way to address that is just to address it head on. But this is also another route. But they're very clearly trying to – there's an attempt to lower the bar here. And I'm – it doesn't matter what I say at the end of the day. Like, Josh Hurd's not listening to the show and being like, ooh, where's Mike going to set the bar for me? If, if he's saying it, then I've got to hold – like, I'm saying make the NCAA tournament in the second year or I would move on. I also said win more than six games last year from, from Scott Satterfield or we need to move on. I don't think – if we'd gone 6-6, six and six, I think Josh Hurd still probably would have kept him. Um, anyway, it was – moot point because he wound up leaving but I'm saying right now if it were me if I'm the AD and I'm hiring a new coach and he doesn't make the NCAA tournament in year two after his the worst season in his history of the program in year one I'm moving on Texas says um intern this is the guy that always calls you intern Chad intern Chad references Jenna at least one per cameo I don't think you have you referenced referenced Jenna today well, we talked about her mom at KDF. Yeah, I think he's thinking that you're talking about intern Jenna. No, I'm not. You're talking about your girlfriend, Jenna. I am. Well, that's fine. I mean, yeah. It was, it was relevant. We're talking about the balloon glow. It was. Is Jenna taking more difficult classes than you are? Uh, She's in Y-Pass, so she's got her all her Y-Pass classes, so there's not much room to take stupid classes. But she was in AP Calculus, and she didn't want to take it the second semester and already had all her math credits. So she dropped that. So she, she's, she has one less class than she did. She seems smarter than you, which is the the right way to go. I mean, I trust me, like I prescribed that theory. That's, (laughs) that's, it's, it's, it's the right mentality to take always date somebody who's way smarter than you. You know, they'll they'll keep you in check. It'll make you feel better about uh, certain things. And you know, maybe they'll, they'll I'm better at Jeopardy than her. I think I'm better at Jeopardy than Mary is too. But overall, I think she's smarter than I am. I'm a better test taker. She tries harder in school, but I'm a better test taker. I think we had that dynamic as well. Although she, like, she ended up doing better on the ACT than I did, but she took it four times. I took it once. I did better on the ACT than Jenna. But I also did really good on the ACT. Did you? My super scores are 32. Look at you. That's better than I did. Highest composite I ever got was 31, but my super scores are 32. Well done. Uh, I, math just drug me down. Math also drug me down. I think that I went. Like, like the the one time that I took it, like my scores, my mom was like, your dad will love this. It was like 34, 33, 28, and then like 15 in math, which compl- was, it was classic. But the SAT, I did like just as well in math as I did in, in the English portion. So who knows? Texas says, does this uh, former players wanting more power access thing happen at other schools or is it just us? It happens elsewhere. It happens elsewhere. But it's, I don't know. I mean, I. 
we're not as embedded in other programs. So it's hard to keep track of. Like I, I know that you've had former players try to become head coaches at other power programs in recent years. Like there's been pushes for former players to take over to the programs, but there's been plenty of programs that have had former players take over. They have. And mostly at a lower and let's be real. Most of the time it has not gone great. Like it, it has been Juwan Howard's done. All right. He's kind of the, 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 and they're not very good this year, but he's kind of been the, the one contradiction to the exception to the rule. Like it has worked out better in football than it has in basketball. Oh, for sure. And I don't know. I don't know what that says, but who knows? Jeff Brown. <laughs> well, that's true. Yeah, there you go. Uh, my wife says, Oh, she says, oh, you think I'm smarter than you. I disagree, but thank you. Well, you're welcome. I'll take your, <laughs> you're wrong. I'm wrong. We're both wrong. Texas says, why was there such a big push to hire a former player for the past two coaching searches? Was it just an attempt to try and make amends for how the crumb era ended? Yeah, I think that that's, I think this whole thing started because people were former players, and it wasn't just former players. A lot of fans were pissed off too about the way that the crumb era came to a conclusion that, that, that Tom Jurich, who was still a relatively new athletic director at that point, essentially forced any crumb out. I mean, that was, it was ugly. I don't think I even, I had vague memories of it when I was working on the, the book a few years ago. I went back and I read the the letters that got leaked to the Leo and all that stuff. And I had forgotten just how contentious it got between me. You got crumb out here leaking emails that he have it in church and him are calling each other names. And it's going back and forth. And, you know, his his wife is is going crazy about stuff like it was just it was a very nasty situation and i think the former players were furious about the way that it happened and then it kind of became this deal where it was like okay if he has to go we want one of our guys taking over this program we we don't want this thing to get ruined we want the culture that crumb built over the past 3 decades to be continued to be built upon so let's have a crumb guy in there to run the program and george was like i can get rick patino so no, we're going to have Rick Patino in here. And I think Patino came in here and felt the unwelcomeness. I don't think even if that's a word. I'm channeling my inner TK here. The, the fact that he was not welcomed with open arms by a large contingent of the former players. And so it, as Rick tends to do, I mean, in Rick's mind, he's like, look, I've won a national title at Kentucky. I'm going to be a Hall of Fame coach. I took freaking Providence to the Final Four when they had nobody. If you don't want me here, if you want me to like prove myself to you, then doors closed, middle fingers up. And so there was a lot of, I mean, it, it's not an overblown deal that he was not receptive to former players who wanted to come in and watch practice. Like he didn't, he was going to do things his way. And look, it, it worked until scandals derailed it at the end there. But that's where this whole thing I, where the rift came in. And I think former players were pissed off that they didn't have the access that they felt like they deserved, that they felt like they'd built this program into what it was, and they didn't feel like they were made a part of the new era. And so when when the train went off the tracks at the end, they were like, see, see, told you. Like, scandal, gross, you needed a crumb guy to keep this thing on board. They went with Chris Mack, didn't go with a, a pain guy. They got even more pissed off. Uh, and then finally they got Kenny Payne in there. I think that's where this the whole thing started with the way that, that Crum was was forced out. Texas says, Mike, you mentioned the hypothetical. If Josh Hurd was to move on KP this year, he shouldn't have to worry about candidates being concerned about getting fired after a year because the guys we'd be going after would be experienced coaches with him. Yeah, that's exactly what I – yeah, your text is exactly what I said. Um, you're, you're bringing in a coach who 
is going to come in here thinking, I'm not concerned about winning six games. I'm going to win 20 games. Um, I, I, okay, we're up against the break here. We'll come back. We'll play the pain press conference from today. We'll react to that. You guys have more thoughts. We'll get you your thoughts to end the hour. Uh, that's all coming your way next here. Keep it locked right here on 1450 and 961 The Big X. Cause ever since my girl left me, my whole life came crashing and I'm so, so lonely, Mr. Lonely, I have nobody on my own. Ah, 2004, the time when you can make number one hits, singing duets with what sounds like Porky Pig. I believe that it was actually, it's my 60s music, uh, not Bobby Vinton did the original Mr. Lonely and then Akon. Sped it up. You can say improved upon it. I don't know if that was the case. Akon had that brief moment in time where he was he was just turning out hits. I love talking about this. You were like two years old when this is happening. So this is, you've got no, are these all number one songs from 04? I, I'm, I'm, every song that you play now, I'm more convinced that it's 2004. It's not all number one songs from 2004. They're all from 04 now. Or, or 03, 04. That one I remember specifically. That one and uh, the, the Gwen Stefani song. I remember being... In 04. I was like freshman in, in college. I guess we'll have to keep listening. I guess we'll have to keep listening. I guess we'll have to keep listening. All right. Kenny Payne had his weekly press conferences, his pre-Florida State press conference. He touched upon the win over Georgia Tech and also got uh, you know, some info on the Seminoles for tomorrow afternoon's game at the KFC Yum Center. Let's hear from, from Kenny Payne. We'll react to this uh, after, after he talks. Kenny, what uh, differences have you seen in the players since they got their first win? If any, I mean, more upbeat, or how would you describe it? Definitely more upbeat. <clears throat> Definitely a, a happiness about them, which both is a double-edged sword, uh, because I don't want them to think we've arrived, because we haven't. Uh, we still got a lot of work to do. Um, but it's good to see them see their work pay off. And, and even with that being said, like I told them, there were points in the game where you left it in the balance. Um, it could have went either way. You know, to think about Kamari's shot, that's a big shot. It's not the shot that we want. He made it. Our offense wasn't efficient on that play. So there are points in the game where we still made a lot of mistakes at critical times. But our defense and our energy helped us get through it. Kenny, you've talked about this team in the past, sometimes maybe taking some things for granted. And, and you've talked about you know the talent gap with some of the teams they play that maybe they don't understand it. Do you worry at all about them relaxing a little bit with a win? I think any, any coach dealing with or any person dealing with young people, <laughs> you have to worry about it because it's their generation. Um, you know, they take things for granted. Um, we've tried to work hard since that win. Um, we're trying not to let them relax. We're going to go out, and um, today will be a hard practice. Tomorrow we'll be ready. We'll see if we can win today. <laughs> How different is it teaching off a win opposed to constantly teaching off a loss? Um, it, it, there is a difference. You know, like uh, when we watch film of the game, 
you know, I was more upbeat about what they did well. Uh, but also the dilemma for me was how much of the bad do I show? I had to show them. <laughs> um, because I need them to understand we won this game by 10, but that game really was closer than that. Uh, there were plays in that game where we got a break. Um, and we, we made our breaks as well, but we got a break. And we can't take that for granted. We got to see where we made our mistakes. We got to know that defensively we are connected. And when we're not connected, what do we look like? At points of the game, when we're not connected, it can't be to finish games. It can't be to finish halves. I'm sure that's the Jalen Withers you hope to have all season, uh, season high in points and rebounds. What can you do to get him, maybe not to put those same kind of numbers up again, but have the same kind of performance? Um, I'll tell you this, that I'm going to hold him to, continue to hold him to a different standard. Um, probably be a little more upset when I don't get that same energy, that same rebounding intensity. Um, I'll probably take him out <laughs> because I keep saying this to him, and I'm going to let you guys in on it. I need him to see himself the way I see him. And I see him as an elite defender. I see him as an elite rebounder. I see him as a guy that should be filling up a stat sheet every night. Um, and if he doesn't see himself that way, that's going to be a problem for me. And it has been a problem for me. Kenny, the last couple games with Kamari, he's hit maybe his first, or I think the other night was his second shot. And, and it seems to be different when he gets that confidence early. Do you see that? Do you talk to him about it? I mean, because it, it, a couple games when he misses shots, he seems to get down on, on, on everything else. Well, you know, it's funny you talk about Kamari. Last night I was on the phone with, with Bam out of Bayou congratulating him on breaking the all-star team. And we started talking about Jimmy Butler. And Jimmy Butler is a master at drawing files. Kamari needs to take a page out of his book. You're, you're shooting 90-something percent from the free throw line. Why aren't you playing to drive, shot fake, draw files, make two? You can fill up, a, you can fill up points just by doing that. <laughs> make a layup or two, make one jump shot, get eight free throws, 10 free throws. You're a major part of what we're doing. That should be his mindset. Um, and after talking to Bam about it, um, I had our guys put together some video clips, hadn't showed them to him yet, of just how he's drawing his fouls, uh, making people foul him. Um, so that's something that he can do to build on, you know, the game he just had. It seems like with Kamari, early in the season, a lot of dribbling, he was very tentative to do pretty much anything. It, it's a process. It's, it's been slow, but it seems like that continues to get better and better. Are you seeing the same thing? I, I'm definitely seeing the same thing. It's way better. He's trying to play the way we need him to play, north-south. Every now and then, he can't help himself. Uh, he's going to go right, go left, and I tease him and say, the defender's not going to fall down for you to shoot. You're going right, you're going left, you're going back right, you're going back left, and he's still there, and you only went two yards either way. <laughs> So he's going to be there when you get done. Um, but he's trying, and I'm, I'm happy that he's trying. I'm happy that he recognizes he has to play a different way, and, and, and he's been trying to do that. 
First, anything new on Brandon? Nothing yet. Uh, it's been a while that I've been, we've been keep talking about this, but um, I'm hoping really soon that he's ready to go. We miss him and we need him. You had said, you know, you hope when he comes back that he sees he's got to step up his level of energy. And you've talked about Emmanuel as an example for some of those guys. Have you seen any of that yet where guys are starting to register that they have to play up to his energy level? Well, what I have seen is in practice, they're asking him, why are you going so hard? Why are you so physical? Stop practicing like that. I like that. Um, the players don't know that I know that, but. Uh, and he didn't even tell me that. Someone else did. But I like the fact that he's making them uh, practice harder, play with more physicality, knowing that if you aren't paying attention, he will hit you in the mouth. He will elbow you. You know, it's just the way he's the, the culture he's coming from and the way he's been playing in NBA Africa, they play physical. And um, I, we need that. We really do. With with already having faced Florida State earlier this season and that game being what it was, what is it that you want to try and change your overall approach, preparing them for a second time so that those results don't replicate? Well, watching the game from the first time, we talked about penetrating, finding open people, not challenging the big guy at the time who was playing major minutes starting. Uh, he's not starting now. Um, but the game plan doesn't change. Uh, looking at the game that when we played them the first time defensively, we were soft. Uh, they got, we didn't protect the paint, so they got a lot of stuff off ball screens, diving to the rim. Um, they attacked us, put us on our heels. We turned the ball over. Some of the turnovers you can't make up. Uh, JJ takes the ball out of bounds, throw it to L, runs over L, or kicks the ball to the defender. He makes a three. I mean. You can't draw that up. Um, so I want them to see some of the clips from that game just to recognize we can't be that bad right now. <laughs> we have to be a lot better than that in that game. So um, I feel good about that, that we play a little bit better, a little bit harder, uh, a little bit tougher. Um, and let's see where we are after this game. How many people have you heard from congratulating on your first conference win, and who were two of the three more interesting ones? Um, Larry Brown reached out. Um, Mike Tomlin reached out. Um, you know, coaches from all over the country. Um, you know, a good dear friend of mine, George Feldman, reached out. We talked for this morning for a little bit, who uh, works for the San Antonio Spurs. Um, I heard from a little bit of everybody, probably 200 people. Former players? Former players, they all reached out. Um, you know, it's, I went to see Denny today, um, you know, talked to Susan and him about what we're trying to do and, and how we continue to try to bring this along and hadn't let go of the rope, still fighting. Um, I want him to and her to be alive to watch us make a big jump to see this program that he pours so many years in um, do represent him. And it's hard because these kids have no idea of the work that went into this program before they got here. And we're trying to educate them on that as well. Kenny, um, one thing on Kamari and the free throw shooting, as you know, in the NBA, 
people often look at that free throw shooting as an indicator of how you might shoot the ball down the road. Do you think the jump shot is coming for him, and does that give you any, any extra confidence in it? I'm a little different when it comes to that. You know, I, I just think that as a basketball player, you have to score a multitude of ways. If you're dependent on strictly jump shots, that's a hard way to, to play this game. You gotta get fouled, you gotta get layups, you gotta get post-ups. I don't care if you're a guard or a big. You gotta find a way to score different ways. Um, and for Kamari, there's one thing that stands out. Far more than anything else, his percentage from the free throw line. Then kid, draw as many fouls as you can and still play north-south. Get to spot, shot fake, flop if you have to. I don't care what you do. Get to that free throw line and go make two free throws and get out of there. <laughs> so um, probably the best way I can answer that is that. That was Kenny Payne from earlier today talking to the media, uh, addressing more questions probably about the win over Georgia Tech than the game tomorrow against Florida State, which is understandable given the fact that we were – 0-10 in conference play before Tuesday, before Wednesday night. I like the fact that he was willing to say it wasn't all that pretty. I mean, he said it was a 10-point win. It was a lot closer than that. We still made some of the same mistakes that have plagued us before Wednesday night. You know, with the Kamari Lands shot that pretty much sealed the deal was not a great possession of basketball. He just made a ridiculous shot. And he kind of said, I, I, I struggled with how much of the bad do I show these guys and I would have been like, show them the bad. Like, like the, they won the game, but if they're going to improve and win more games, you still need to go ahead and, and, and show what went wrong and what against a better team than Georgia Tech, which is every other team in the ACC, will get you beat if you if you if you do that again. Um, I like that he's <laughs> excuse me that he spent time with Denny Crum uh, today. I, I like his. I, I like that he kind of just laid it out there and says like. I want this program to make a jump and get back to being a national powerhouse while coach is still alive. Like I want him to be able to see. I mean, I think I mean, my, my dad, who is not as old as Denny Crum, nearly as old as Denny Crum or having the health issues that Denny Crum, my dad now is at the point where he's like, I want us to get better again before I die. I'm like, come on, dad. Like we, we don't need to be that macabre, but it, it is. I mean, for everybody that gets up there in age, you know, you only have so many seasons left as a fan. Everybody only has so many seasons left as a fan. You don't want to waste any of this time. You want to get good as, as soon as possible, and you want to, to get back to this being a fun thing for everybody involved as soon as possible, and I'm sure Kenny Payne understands that. I, What was your reaction to the 200 people called me about the win, including this person and that person and this Mike person? Mike Tomlin? Mike Tomlin was – I was like, what? That's a weird pool. Why, why is Mike Tomlin paying attention to Louisville, Georgia? I didn't know they were that close. Also, I, I mean, I'm kind of like, and I get that he was asked the question. This wasn't him just bringing it up and being like, oh, by the way, 200 people called me about this game. But I was like, you know, that's cool. That That's great. This isn't a popularity contest. Like, you know, win some more games. Let's, let's get to the point where winning a game on February 1st. I think he even said all his former players reached out. He used the, ter- he used the word all. Yeah, They all reached I mean, out. And we kind of had the same sort of talk after we beat Western for the first win. Like, let's try and get to a point where when you beat one of the worst power conference teams in the country on February 1st, it's not a cause to be called by 200 people. Like that's Larry just, Brown. 
Larry Brown doesn't need to be calling you on on after a ten point win over Georgia Tech. Um, but it was, I mean, I think it was Bozich who asked the question. He's he wanted him to talk about it. He wanted him to to get that out there. But I'm kind of like, all right, like this is this ain't celebrity popularity contest. This is this is Louisville basketball, and we're three and nineteen. I didn't like the. Uh, was he talking about Emmanuel when he was like when he said the? Uh, yeah, that's the other thing. The the kids are looking at him like, why are you trying so hard? Well, he basically said that players are. And he said Emmanuel didn't tell him this. He hasn't seen it on his own, but other people had told him. He got some, some stitches out there that are going to Kenny Payne, and they should be if this is actually happening, saying that players are going to Emmanuel Okor for now and saying, why are you practicing so hard, man? Like, like why are you why you're making us look bad? It's the it's the Rudy Rudiger thing. It's the it's the Vince Vaughn being like, you know, we're trying to go through the motions here, and you're treating it like it's the damn Super Bowl. And you know we, we need more Rudy attitudes out there. And if, if that is actually happening, which I'm not calling Kenny Payne a liar, certainly, but if, if somebody's just going to him with that story for whatever reason, then you can see that happening. But if this is if this is actually a thing that's taking place, man, that's it's depressing as hell, and it's a terrible look for these players. And it's more evidence uh, for, if you're making the argument that this is all about the players and and far less about the coaching staff. That's a exhibit for you to to use in your argument because. There is no player at this level that should ever be going to a teammate and saying, man, you're playing hard in practice. What are you doing? You're making us look bad. That's, that's the type of thing that I feel like you only hear in movies or on like bad high school teams. What are we doing if that's the case? That's, that's, that's atrocious. That's a horrific attitude to have at this level. Had to be Sidney Curry. No, don't let's let's not guess who it was. It had to be. Sydney. Let's not. Okay, guess. we're not guessing who it was. Let's not throw. But it had to out. be. Sydney. Let's not throw. It could have been anybody. We we don't know who it was. I mean, it sounds like it was like everybody. I it's mean, probably a big, probably somebody he'd be going head to head with. I mean, he, not the one that's injured right now. We got a we got a coin flip. Which also, how do we not know what's going on? But the guy's had a boot on his foot for like three weeks. We two weeks ago. Wait, wait, I stated it. Two weeks ago, it was day-to-day, and he was going to find out something by the end of the week. It was like two weeks ago yesterday that he was supposed to find out something Friday that was going to let him know whether or not he was going to be able to, able to play that weekend and what his status would be moving forward. And then the next update we got three minutes, the three days later, was like, it's doubtful he returns to the court anytime soon. And now it's 15 days later. We're still and now not it's, sure. I'm still trying to find out what's going on there. Like, what? This is like your sickness. Oh God! I mean, at least they're telling me like what they think it is, like which is nice. I mean, yeah, you've got at least they're giving it a description. They just don't know what the hell it is or if it's going to like be terrible. But like, how do we? It's a foot injury. It definitely lends credence to the conspiracy theories that theorists out there that are like, there's something else going on. I mean, he's wearing a boot. He's he's at the games. It's not like he's left the program. But what the hell is this? Like, like how? I, I've I never, think they're sending a clone to games. Maybe not to not to be the conspiracy theorist here. We need a we need a clone Brandon Huntley Hatfield out there playing for us. We we need something. No, that's the thing. They can't. They can make the clone have all the same features, but they can't make him as good at basketball. So that's why he's hurt. Or the clone has to. It's born at a very young age, but it has to to grow up very quickly. It has to learn basketball, and it's in practice, and it, it's really upset with Emmanuel Okorafor for going so hard. What if Okorafor is the clone? What if that's what's happening here? Just looks a little bit different. Who knows? Who knows? I don't know. But the, that part did stick out to me. The the Huntley Hatfield, and then also the players complaining about Sidney Curry complaining. It's not not Sidney Curry. We don't. It's apparently he used the plural 
So he said it's more than than one player. Just like he said when Akora Force first practice, players were laughing at how hard he was practicing. It seems to be a, a team-wide thing, and who knows what the the truth is out there. But Akora Force definitely seems to play harder than the other guys when he's on the floor in actual games. So I don't know. And then the Florida State talk, it was like I, I did like how it sounded bad because he says he's discussing what went wrong in the first meeting back in December and he's saying, you know, what what the game plan was and, you know, we we wanted to attack their big man and play downhill and, you know, that their big man's not really starting for them anymore. The the big guy that they had in the middle back then who was such a big part of their game plan. But our game plan's still exactly the same. And I was like, well hold on. <laughs> like like it's not how game plans work. They're a different team. Plus, we lost that game by 27. Maybe we need to, to have a little bit of a different game plan this go around. But nope, same game plan. Apparently not. Whoever scouted that game the first time probably doesn't need to be scouting it this time because that was we we lost by I said 27. We lost by 22. It was the Miami game we lost by 27. But that one was just I mean Florida State I think had one win going into that game and we had none. They had lost to Siena by 13 they the lost, week before. They had lost to everybody. Yeah, they, they were one and nine going into that game. Um, yeah, Siena had beaten them by 17. Uh, Stetson had beaten them by nine. Mercer was their only win. It was just like, like they were a, a bad team and they drubbed us. Now they have been, they've been better since they got into conference play. They have lost three in a row now. And all three of those losses have been, well, two of the three have been bad. They just got destroyed by NC state on Wednesday. Uh, they lost by 30 and that game really wasn't even that close. Like they are, I feel like I say this about the last four games, but they're not a good team. But they're a team that's beaten us by 23, and they've they've been better than we have so far this year. And they beat Pitt, for God's sake. And Pitt right now is playing about as well as anybody in the ACC. So we still got a little bit of our work cut out for us. Although Ken Palm only projects this to be a 74-71 game. This, according to Ken Palm, is the most winnable game left on our schedule, which includes a road game against Georgia Tech. I kind of disagree with that. I think Georgia Tech has quit. I think we've got a shot to beat them down there just like we beat them here. But this this should not be a game where we regress to the point of a, a lopsided defeat. I'll, I'll be disappointed if that happens. I'm not going to be – I'm not predicting a victory. I'm not guaranteeing a victory. I'm not saying anything like that. But if we get blown out by these guys in a similar vein to the way we were blown out in, in December, that will be a gigantic regression because they're, they're just not that good. Uh, any of the, Did anything else stick out to you about the Kenny Payne press conference, Patrick? I, I thought that there were – for the most part, it was pretty straightforward. But I, I like some of the things that he said about, you know, not wanting to. It was kind of. I, I chuckled a little bit at him starting it off by like saying, "We can't get too high after a victory." I'm like, "We're, th- we're three and nineteen. I would, I would, I'd hope that we would be able to put that one behind us pretty quickly." We haven't arrived. <laughs> we, we 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 can't have anybody thinking we've arrived. And I was like, "Yeah, I mean, maybe not the word to use." That's what everybody's saying. That <laughs> the cards are back. <laughs> we can't. You know, now that we're out of the three hundreds on Ken Palm, we can't have anybody just. Being too cocky, I we joke about that. This was the same team that apparently, when they had yet to win a game, overlooked Lipscomb, which is still the one. Of that the, was after we won. Right? Was it after? I, I thought it was before. It was like a mid-season out-of-conference game. Uh, that was that was after we'd won the two games. Okay. Yeah. Because you know we don't win one game in a row. We went. We always win at least two. That's what Every, this team does. Everybody knows that. But them saying that we we thought we could just show up and beat Lemskim in a game where we were the underdog, we were we were not the betting favorite in that game. Were we like eight point underdogs? We were having and we lost by eight. Like we were heavy underdogs, and the fact that that team thought they could show up and just beat anybody after being two and nine with as many lopsided losses as they had was just a. How's Lipscomb doing now? Uh, we looked it up yesterday. They are none of the none of those teams that we've lost to are very good. Like the the mid major teams, 
Lipscomb is 14 and 10. They are 6 and 5 in the Atlantic Sun, which again is not a it's a down year for the sport. It's it's, it's just a down year. It's a down year for the sport. Louisville's down. All the mid-majors are down. Everybody's down. Everybody's down. Yeah, Lipscomb, they're not good. Appalachian State, they're not good. Wright State, they're not good. Bellarmine, they're not good. Uh, Bellarmine last night lost to Kennesaw State in double overtime. Hard-fought game. They're 5-6 and six in the A-Sun now. Hasn't Kennesaw State won like eight in a row? Kennesaw State has won, uh, I believe, eight in a row. You're correct. Uh, the Fighting Zach Berries. Shout out to my guys, ZB. Uh, they are 10-1 in the A-Sun, a program that has not been very good since transitioning to D1 is now. They have the uh, the nation's seventh longest active winning streak. Shout out to the Owls. And head coach uh, Amir Abdul-Rahim. Killing it. Doing what he can in his fourth year there at Kennesaw State. But, yeah, that, that when you lose those types of games, remember we had everybody saying, well, you know, Bellarmine's really good. They were should have been the NCAA tournament last year. I'm sure App State's great. I'm sure Wright State's going to win the Horizon. Wright State won a tournament game last year. They they won the first four last year. They won a tournament game. They are none of these teams are good. I'm here to tell you, <laughs> none of those teams that we lost to are uh, are thriving. They're all going to need uh, a big time run in their conference tournaments to make the NCAA tournament. Uh, Wright State is six and seven in the but Horizon League. Right didn't now. we really beat App State when you think about it? No, we didn't. There's a clock 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 operator got it wrong. We won. I wish we had. All right, we'll take a break. When we come back, 5 o'clock hour is up next. We'll hear more of your thoughts on the Thornton sex line. Uh, we'll look ahead to the weekend that will be in college hoops. And then at the, we'll end the hour with our predictions for tomorrow against Florida State. It's the Mike Rutherford Show. It rolls on next here on 1450 and 96.1, the Big X. I'm sorry, it's still slack. This is still a banger. Again. This is nothing. Since you've been gone. There were, we lived in an apartment my second year at Dayton. And like it was, your first first year they put all the, the, all the guys have to live in like one separate dorm. And the girls live in one separate dorm. But like the apartment complexes, you had girls and guys on the same floor. And we had a girl's apartment right next to ours. They played this song nonstop. Like as loud as, as they could. And me and my buddy were like, I just want to go over there and listen to the song with them. Like, I, they weren't cool girls. We didn't want to hang out with them. I was like, I just want to like join your Kelly Clarkson parties. It's a jam. Kelly Clarkson's the best. I can't breathe for the first time. I'm so moving on. Yeah, yeah. Still goes. Still great. Welcome to the 5 o'clock hour here of the Mike Rutherford Show. Happy Friday to you. Uh, we're here on 1450 and 96.1, streaming everywhere you know. Here from the U L College of Business Studios. Getting you ready for the weekend that will be in college sports. Big weekend for Louisville basketball. Cards with another winnable game in, on the men's side against Florida State. And a big, big game for the women's team on Sunday. They'll host a top 15 opponent in North Carolina. That'll be on ESPN2 as they look to uh, to build some momentum after a big win last Sunday over Syracuse. It's time for the, the ladies to hit their stride if they're going to make a, a nice run in March. Let's get that thing going on Sunday. 
And Saturday, you know, if, if the cards are going to to not be last in the ACC, it'd be nice to beat Florida State, put some separation between themselves and the G-Tech, and also just keep the momentum going, keep the good vibes going from Wednesday's win. I'm, I'm checking out the – I just glanced at the training. I can't think of a sports story, a major sports story, that I care less about than – Kyrie Irving than, requesting a trade? Than Kyrie Irving requesting a trade Knew for the, the, the 50th time. I just don't care. Like, I, I – I, 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 Does he still not play home games because he's not vaccinated, or is that that end a while ago? I think that ended a while ago, but I don't really know because I don't I, I don't really care. Like I follow the NBA from afar until the playoffs. I get I, I like the NBA playoffs. I try to keep tabs on what's going on. But as far as Kyrie Irving and just the the constant drama and all that stuff, I could not care less. Just just don't care. Don't care where he goes. Don't care what happens. You see Alabama hired an OC. I did. I saw that they that, that Todd Grantham's going to the Saints because he was rumored to potentially get that job. He was rumored uh, the to DC. get the DC. Yeah, and then uh, Grantham, who was a what, he was like a defensive. He was assistant. a senior analyst. Senior analyst. Thank you. Went to the Saints. Who did the who did Bama hires the OC? Tommy Reese, Notre Dame offensive coordinator. I saw that he was rumored. People say that I look like Tommy Reese, so that's that's why I was intrigued to see if he was going to get that job. He did. He's. He's gotten a little chunky since his playing days, which is why I think people say that we we can look a little like it's just the face. Uh, but props to Tommy Reese getting it done, making plays. What's the other big? Uh, we mentioned at the start of the show the only NBA story that I care about is is Donovan Mitchell taking down Dylan Brooks. I do like how every NBA like little small kerfuffle like shoving match it gets broken down as if it's like a three round like fifteen minute MMA fight. Like people are like, Dylan Brooks wanted to go after Shannon Sharp, and he got manhandled by Donovan Mitchell. I'm like, I mean, if you're looking at it in terms of winners and losers, Donovan won, I guess, because he threw the ball at him and, and kind of threw him down at the ground. But there was it was not a, a real fight. I hated, uh, was it Reggie on the call that called Donovan yeah, Mitchell yeah, the aggressor? He's like, he's the, he throws the ball. At Reggie Miller is so clueless. Like he, he never sees anything that's going on. I don't think he actually watches the games. He, he never picks up on anything. He does the NCAA tournament, which is the most that I hear of Reggie Miller on the call, and he's the absolute worst. He seems like a nice guy. I'm sure he's a fine person. He sucks on calls. Like, there will be a a, a guy will take 17 steps, and they'll blow the whistle, and he'll be like, I'm not sure what's going on. I think maybe there was a it, – it, it, was there an inadvertent whistle? Or is there a clock issue? I'm like, no, the guy walked. It was a traveling vibe. What are you watching right now? What, what – what planet are you on? And he did that last night where he's like, Mitchell's the clear aggressor. If you don't know what's going on, you don't have to say something. You don't you don't have to chime in with what you think is like he's just blatantly wrong all the time because he's not paying any attention or just not seeing what's happening in the game going on right in front of him. But uh Donovan last night, look, Donovan's a star. He's taken down foes. He's calling out people in the NBA that everybody else wants to call out. I do like, too, that he's like, he's like, again, we can't play the clip because he's talking about stuff, but he's like, you know, Ja, P-Bev, like all, they bleep talk. It's part of the game, like a little bumping, that's fine. But this is, he basically is like, there's no point, there's no place in the game for nut punching. Like you can, you can talk your talk, you can do a little shoving, you can, you know, get in somebody's head, nudge them a little bit, do whatever you want, but don't punch me in the nuts. Just that it should be an unspoken. It should not need to be spoken. It should be an unspoken rule. Stop see, nut punching. You see the Cavaliers Instagram post? I did. See, don't start. Uh, don't start it. Never run from it. And I like that they gave him the 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 game chain afterwards, for like the MVP. Like the team went nuts. The Cavs, like again, as somebody who follows NBA from very far away until the the playoffs come around, 
the Cavs seem like a fun team to root for. Like they seem like they all really like each other. There's the clip too of um is it Brooke Lopez or Robin Lopez? Which one of the Lopez twins is on that team? I think I think Robin. it's Robin. Robin? He's like breaking down the film as like the, the NBA, the officials are sorting it out. And he's on the bench like breaking down the film on his iPad or whatever it is. And like the whole team is crowded around him like laughing. And you can see Donovan out to the side. It is Robin. It's Robin, yeah. You can see Donovan sitting down to the side like knowing that he's about to get ejected, just kind of smiling about the whole thing because they're like, oh. It's just they seem like a, a fun team to root for. And that's rarely the case with any team from Cleveland. But props to the Cavs. It, it's all Don. It's just Don being Don. We love him. Uh, we spent a lot of time today. We opened the show talking about the top. Well, we opened the show talking about the the Chinese spy balloon slash weather balloon. But then we dove into the something even less <laughs> divisive or more divisive. What should the expectation be for Kenny Payne in year two? A wild ass topic to be having on February third here in a, a basketball crazy city. But that's. What happens when your team is 3-19 and 19 under a first-year head coach? Uh, we're still not really sure how we got to this being such a, a, a hot topic, but Rick posted his column certainly threw some gasoline on that fire, so we spent a lot of time talking about that. You guys weighed in with your thoughts, and you had a lot of them on the, the Thornton sex line at 502-414-1450. Then we heard from Kenny Payne in the second hour, his press conference for tomorrow's game uh, against Florida State, also reacting to the, the win over Georgia Tech, all that good stuff. We should say, by the way, Inter Patrick's here, that voice that you're hearing. He's filling in for Trevor Kelsey. Doing a hell of a job. My personal expectation for year two is Kenny Payne doesn't get stuck in any weather balloons that are in the air. I, I don't it, want... Kenny Payne does not need to be Balloon Boy. We had to, We also had to educate Patrick on Balloon Boy, which he had never heard of. And Mike still hasn't guessed the theme of the music. It's all from the same time period. I know that. Mm. It's all 04. No, they're not all in 04. I'm it's, sure they all came out in 04. But it's all like 03, 04. It's, it's around then. Or is it 0405? Has to do with 2005. Are they number one songs of 05? It's the it's the Billboard. It's the top six or seven. Uh, there was one in the top six I didn't like. Billboard Hot 100 <laughs> of the week I was born. Oh God, you're that young. That's that's horrifying. Oh man. See, I'm talking about me singing these songs in college and you're just being born. That's that's really depressing. Which song did you like that did you did you not like that you took out? Uh Oh by Sierra and Ludacris. Okay, I'm fine with that. Yeah. That one got that one got kicked out. You're right to kick that one out. But we've had Akon Lonely. Mm-hmm. We've had Hollaback Girl from Gwen Stefani. These are all songs you have my sophomore year of college. Uh Hate It or Love It? Hate or Love It. And then we had another 50 Cent song, Candy Shop. Yeah, Candy Shop was the end of the 3.30. Man, the G-Unit was just, they were everywhere that year. They were all over the place. You 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 were born into a world dominated by the G-Unit. There was another 50 Cent song on there. I'm telling you, he was everywhere. From from that run, from like 02 through like Yeah, because Candy Shop was number one when I was born. Hated or Love It was number two. I played him in pretty much, in, I played him in order. Oh. I like that. Yeah. I'm actually playing them all in order. I like that. I'm excited to hear the next one. Uh, 502-414-1450. It's a feel-good Friday. Disco Inferno was number nine. That was the other 50-cent song. Oh, man. (sighs) Taking me back. I love it. Uh, We want to hear from you before the show ends. Again, we'll make our predictions for tomorrow's game. We'll also talk a little bit about the other uh, college basketball games going on this weekend. should be a nice weekend in the world of college hoops. We'll make predictions for our games against Florida State and also North Carolina on the women's side before the end of today's show. 
Uh, 502-414-1450. We'll get back to the text because you guys had lingering thoughts that we were not able to get to before the end of the hour. People keep... Patrick has not... People don't understand that your girlfriend, Jenna, is not the same as intern Jenna. Not the same. Spelled different. Jenna with a G. Our intern Jenna was Jenna with a J. So people are... are they're like, Patrick has a crush on Jenna. Like he's Well, that's his girlfriend. It's a different one. It's a different one. Texture says, I was a big Denny fan, but he stuck around too long. So... Patrick, being born after this whole thing, you've you've got zero frame of reference here. But it's kind of like it's like the Chris Mack situation on steroids, where if you remember, like there was some talk about you know Mack deserved credit for the success that he had at the beginning of his tenure, and you know he got a bad break with COVID. Like there was a whole lot of debate with Crum. You know how much do you do you put into the fact that like this man at one point in time was the best coach in the entire country. He made our program what it is today. Yes, we've fallen off. Yes, the recent results are unacceptable. But do you just let him go out, out on his own terms? It's kind of similar to what I think Syracuse is going to wind up dealing with with Jim Beheim because I don't think he's going to go willingly. I think he's already stuck around too long. I think, he, I think he has. And he's been saved by the fact that they made a couple of fluky runs in the NCAA tournament in recent years, and now they're not even getting to the NCAA tournament, and it doesn't look like that's going to change anytime soon. And it just seems you know, he's he's past his prime, but he doesn't want to leave. The crumb thing, it was weird for so I was in high school, like early in high school. I, I was like a a freshman when this really ramp, ramped up. When it was my, it was my sophomore year when they were so bad. And like as somebody who never got to experience the highest of highs in the '80s, and who only knew like my best Denny Crum team memories were a six seed that made a run to the, the elite eight in 97. Like that was, that was as good as it got for me growing up and becoming a U of L fan. And I was sort of like, he's not recruiting. Well, I'm sure the eighties were super fun. I'm sure the seventies were, were great too when he was here at the end there, but we need to move on. And I understood the, the, the other generation that would kind of say, look, you guys just don't get it. I don't care how bad it gets. The man deserves to go out on his own terms. If he wants to coach here until, you know, he's, he's 90, and we're winning 10 games a year. He's earned that right. He made this program what it is. You youngins have no say in this. And, and my, my dad was not that way. My dad was kind of like, eh, it kind of seems like maybe this is, this is not going in a, in a good direction. He made – there were some Hail Marys late, I think, he did to try to save his job. Like, we landed – Carlos Hort was a huge deal. He got a top-five uh, player in, in the class at the time, a five-star point guard, to come in, and we thought Carlos Hort was going to save the program. And it was a sign that maybe Denny still had it, and he could – he, he could still be the old Denny if you just gave him some time, but it wasn't to be. Tom Jurich, I mean, took a, a gigantic leap of faith. It was an unpopular move at the time. Forrest Crum out, brought Patino in. Worked out really well until the, you know the, the the scandals took him down two decades later. But it was it was a it was a wild time. It was, it was a wild time to be a Louisville fan, and I was certainly on the it's time to move on for a team. But like I was I was young. I was thirteen years old, fourteen years old. Texas says, hey, Mike, is there any chance we get another CC podcast soon? I think we could all use some laughs from Dan the Dumb segment, uh, the way this men's basketball season has been going. we I know. We, it's been bad. The only day that we could, that Danny could do it this week was Monday, and I had to. the only time he could do it was like after one. I had to come in here and do the early stuff on Monday with the commercials, so I couldn't do it then. And then he's been with, out of town with his boss all week. It just, it, was, it just did not work. He's flying home right now. Joel Dahman, by the way, our golf pick, Awful day yesterday, but he was minus five on the, the front nine. So trying to get back in it, trying to, to save some face here for us. But we will 
we'll, we will definitely have a podcast next week. I don't even know if fantasy golf works. It's we're in this league where, I mean, I think there are all sorts of different games. But we're in this this big league put together by a friend. Shout out to Nick Kramer. We love your Prudential commercials. You're, you're terrific. Come advertise with us, Nick. Uh, but he puts it together, and you you basically you pick one golfer every week for the tournament, but you only get to pick that golfer once a year. So you win. The point system is basically based on their prize money. If you win, if the golfer wins $600,000 in prize money, you get 600,000 points for that week. And the four majors, you get double the value. So you kind of, it's strategic. You've got to pick, you know, you, you know, you may think that like, you know, Matthew Fitzpatrick is going to win this coming week, but you want to save him for a bigger tournament later in the year. So you don't pick him. You kind of, it's, it's interesting. And we had never picked a golfer that had won the tournament the first three years. We won the first week. We picked Max Homa. And then this week we're trying to, and also you get prizes from a week to week basis. So we're, we're trying to win money this week because other people have picked Homa and we need Joel Dahman to beat a couple of guys. We need him to beat Maverick McNeely and a couple other players. If we want to get this 350 bucks, but it's not going great so far. Texas says, uh, Kenny Payne saying the Kamari Land shot wasn't the shot they wanted. I didn't like that. Yes, we all know it was a bad shot, but congratulate the kid and give him some confidence, which he seems to be lacking this season. I think he was just trying to say that they it was a poorly run offensive possession, which is true. It was, I mean, of course that's not the way you design it. You, you don't want a, a desperation 25-foot heave off balance, but it was a hell of a shot. And Land's, I think... I think that was a perfect indicator that he, if he can just get out of his own mind a little bit, he'll be a much better player. I think he, I can't remember who asked the question, but whoever asked the question was was totally spot on. It does seem like when he hits a shot early, he plays more freely. He, he's loose. He plays better. When he misses a couple, it absolutely gets in his mind, and I think it affects his entire game. I mean, he all that talk about his free throw percentage. He shoots ninety three percent from the free throw line, and he had a five game stretch where he didn't shoot a single free throw. It's unreal. I mean, he's a. I think he's like the seventh best free throw shooter in the entire country, and the best freshman free throw shooter in the entire country. Got to get that man to the line more. Speaking of asking questions, I, I'd be remiss if I didn't give a shout out to my guy Brett Dawson. We've had him on the show several times. I think he's probably been our our biggest recurring guest. We don't have many guests, but I think we've had him on three, four, five times. Uh, he announced today this is going to be his last week at the Courier Journal. He, he's taking a job uh, outside of sports. He's going to to work in I think public relations for Loves. Props to him. He's going back to the the, the gas station. Yeah, the the, the, the super station. Southwest is going to be a, a start career change. Brett's an awesome guy. I mean, I've known him since he was here the first time covering UK. Um, I love texting with him. He's got a great sense of humor. He's a, a really really good writer. And it just it kind of sucks that. The Courier can't keep a, a U of L beat writer around these days. Uh, I don't know if the team drove him to this. I know he made a joke about it. I don't know if if the the last two years of covering this team have just it was too much for him. But it, it's it's insane to me how little I know. Like, I've got no relationships with any of the writers at the Courier Journal right now. I I've always like at least known who they are. I've always like been able to like message them and, and text with them, even if we don't like go out for drinks or something. But like. I know of Alexis Cubit, or I can't, I don't know her her last name, who covers the football team and, and women's basketball. I don't think I know anybody else. Like, like at, at the whole, at the whole at newspaper. The paper. Yeah, I, I mean, in the sports section at least. Like, I don't, I, I don't know the editor. I, I don't know, I don't know anybody. Like, they, they don't really have a columnist anymore since Sullivan uh, was was let go. It's just it's different times. I mean, when I was growing up, like you you knew everything about. The ride and the riders of the curse stayed around for a long time. It was a great job. Who and put out that big thread on Twitter last night about the Kenny Payne's expectations for you too? 
It's a big long thread. Uh, Chris Hatfield? Was it Chris Hatfield? He put out a good one that I saw this morning because I agreed with pretty much everything he said. Yeah. He's not a, he does not write for the Courier Journal. I know, but I was just asking. Just asking. Yeah. But props to Brett. I think he seems happy about the move. Uh, I'm happy for him. And it is wild how much, I mean, think about all the guys and, and, and women who have come through the, the paper in recent years who have left for non writing jobs. Like, like, you know, you, Steve Jones went to Spalding. Like, Greer now is doing. Uh, stuff with Louisville City and racing Louisville. I know he's still riding a little bit. That's kind of in his spare time as a, a side gig. It's just, it's a, it's a different age. Riders just falling by the wayside. Texas says there shouldn't be a difference in how KP feels about the GTIC win at practice as opposed to a loss. They just looked as ass. The other team was just more ass than usual. I, I think I tried to phrase it a little bit more affectionately yesterday, but I, I agree with the overwhelming sentiment. It like the Western game. I thought we just we we played above out of our minds. Like like we looked like a different team. It wasn't just that shots were falling. That was a big part of it. But we played harder. Our offense looked more effective. We took care of the ball a little bit better. Like everything about that game was just better than it had been the first nine games. I thought Wednesday night we looked kind of like the same team that we've been on the the ten game losing streak or for most of the ten game losing streak. We just happened to play a team that that cared a little bit less than we did, and that was overall a little bit worse than we were. And that didn't have its starting point guard. Like, I I didn't think we played a sparkling, crystal clear game. I thought that Georgia Tech just sucked. Not that we don't deserve credit for coming out and doing – because we made plays down the stretch. Like, there was a there was a point in that game, and, and Payne pointed it out. Like, he said, we made it more interesting than it needed to be down the stretch. And we did. Roosevelt Wheeler, you can't get that flagrant one. Kamari got an inbounds pass stolen. Uh, we missed a couple shots that we should have made right around the rim. We gave up a couple of wide open shots and, and committed fouls that we shouldn't have committed. Like it was, it was dicier than it should have been in, the, in those final minutes. But we also made some plays. The land shot was big. The trainer shot right before the the um, the Roosevelt Wheeler flagrant was a, a big time shot. Those are shots that we've missed in, in those same types of situations in the preceding three months, and and they deserve credit for that. But it was, I think, top to bottom, it was not. It was not a performance that gave you a whole lot of hope that they're going to like win four or five games the rest of the ACC year. Texas, did Kenny just say that uh, Bam told him what Kamari should be doing? Yeah, I think he did. I mean, that's, that's fine. He was just he was talking about Jimmy Butler playing that way. Also, how much time is Kenny Payne spending on the phone? He's got 200 people calling him. He's he's talking to, to Bam out of bio this morning. The man's cell phone bill has got to be outrageous. He's, he's just, I'm sure he's got the unlimited plan, but he's using up a whole lot of minutes. He's on that phone a lot, apparently. I wondered when he said that, when he was like 200 people called me, I didn't know if it was like I had 200 missed calls or if I if he talked to all those people. There's, there's no way he talked to 200 people. There's no. If you talked to 200 people, do you did you count all 200? Yeah, I don't know. Do they have like 200 unopened texts? And he just said like 200 people called me. Uh, yeah. There are questions that need to be asked there. <laughs> Not really. Speaking of, Texas says our local media was softer than Charmin in that presser. Yeah. It. N- what are you going to do? Ask the hard-hitting questions about the 3-19 and team? I mean, they, they just won. I mean, what's, what's the question going to be? Do you, would you rehire you for a second season? I don't know. <laughs> Texas. There's a lot of talk about you not getting a second season. What, what, what are your thoughts? We just won. 
Texas, I want Kenny to work so bad. I just don't see it happening, and it makes me sad. I think this is... Like, there's a lot of of that sentiment flying around. And I've said it a million times, and I'll say it a million and one now. The best thing for Louisville is for Kenny Payne to be the guy. Like I, I, I'm not sitting here when I talk about my reservations and I talk about the fears that I have for the future. I'm not saying that because I wanted it to be the case. Like Kenny Payne is, by all accounts, a terrific human being. He's one of our own. He's a he's a former Cardinal. He carries himself the right way. He, he is the best thing for the program as long as he's winning at a high enough level. It would be a lot easier to be furious about what's happening right now and to be demanding a, a one-and-done season from this guy if he were just an absolute a-hole. If he were just like saying the wrong things at all times, doing the wrong things off the court, being a, a D to the media, if there were, you know, parents of players messaging me talking about what he's doing at practice and how much of a disaster it is, like that would all make this a lot easier. It, it, it's harder to be this critical of a coach who's three and nineteen and who there are a lot of, I think, red flags about when he seems to be such a great person. I, I want nothing more than for next year to be a tournament team, to, to be up to the standards that that we've set for him. He's just got to get it done. And at, at the end of the day, it comes down to wins and losses, and he's not winning enough games right now. Texas, my dad told me back when the Katina Powell stuff went down that he was getting older, and he hoped this didn't ruin Cardinal basketball for him in the end days of his life. Yeah, I mean, it's <laughs> dads get older, they say these things. That, that'll be me. It's, hell, it's kind of mean right now. I'm, I'm, I'm already becoming the old dad. I'm like, just just get better before this kills me. Me too. I would also like him to get better before I die. All of us would. We're all in the same boat. We don't know when the end's coming. Um, the Katina Powell stuff, though, as bad as it was, I think it's important to remember we kind of survived that. Like, we, we weathered that storm. If there hadn't been the FBI thing, we were set to, to be rolling again. Like we we were really good in 2016 with the transfers with the team that had to self-impose. And the self-impose, say what you will about it. I thought it was the wrong move. I thought I still think it was the wrong move. But it did get us out of having a, a tournament ban for 2017. Like it's not people keep talking about, well, we got nothing out of that that self-imposed ban. We did get something out of it. We would have been banned from the NCAA tournament had we not in 2017, had we not imposed in, in 2016. So we got a win over Jacksonville State in the NCAA tournament out of it. That, that's what we got out of taking the tournament away from Damian Lee, Trey Lewis, and company. But we were we were set to roll. We were a two-seed in 2017. We were set to be a preseason top 15, top 10 team in 2018. Recruiting was going well. We had survived that scandal. If the FBI thing didn't happen, who's to say we wouldn't be just a perennial top 10 who say we wouldn't have another national title with Rick Pitino still at the helm in the five years that have transpired since it just, it was one scandal too many, the FBI thing, which wound up being one of the dumbest scandals in the history of sports, but we got caught up in it and it, that's what led us to where we are right now. Texas, we talking about practice, Mike, not a game practice, but seriously, I think it's the players. My gut says no one is a great assistant, I'll bet he would get out, out on the floor if he could. Well, we could use no one. Did you see the story about the – there was a – The girls' basketball the coach? Girl, the JV basketball coach who's 22 years old who played in a JV game 
and got caught, and uh, they had to forfeit the rest of the season. I was like, if that's an option, get Nolan out there. He's got to have a COVID year. Get Danny out there. Get, get, get Kenny out there. Get, they get, all have COVID years. I'm no one's you. going to notice. Everyone's a redshirt soft. Isn't Reese Gaines on, on the staff? Get him Reece out Gaines, there. Reese Gaines, throw him out there. I mean, we, we the staff could probably still beat the team. I saw uh, Rick Pitino's using Talik Brown in practice, who's now 40 years old. Oh, yeah, I saw that too. And he looked he looked great in the clip that he showed. He's on the fast break. Nice little dish back. Over the shoulder back uh, for, a, for a dunk. It was a it was great. I'm like, hell yeah, we need everybody to do this. Um. All right, let's take our last break. When we come back, you guys have a few more questions. We'll dive into those, and then we'll look ahead to the weekend that will be in college basketball and make our predictions for the pair of Cardinal games. It's the Mike Rutherford Show here on a Friday, wrapping up the week on No reason, no staying power for this one. It was a, it was a bad song. I was not a fan. Of We're breaking down the with the top six Billboard songs from the week that Patrick was born. Just making everybody feel incredibly old. Just making us all feel so old, so so old. Thank you for that. Big number six. No, that's not more. It's a bad song. What's the rest of the top ten? Do you have it in front of you? Uh, I'm I'm looking at the one that was announced April 30th. I was born May 5th, so okay. Number eight was O. Uh, number seven was Boulevard of Broken Dreams. I walk this endless road, the only road that I have ever known. Thank you. Number eight was O by Sierra featuring Ludacris. Number nine was Disco Inferno. And number 10 was One Thing by Amiri. Okay, yeah. 11 was Mr. Brightside. Was it really? Mm-hmm. Which now, somebody's ruined that for me. They say that when, when he starts singing, it sounds like Jerry Seinfeld, and it's all I can think of now. It does. He, it he, sounds exactly like Jerry Seinfeld. I think I've seen that. It's that video that's out there. It's killing it. Oh, we mean, have, uh, go ahead. Lonely No More by Rob Thomas and Speed of Sound are also up there. Uh, like the one that was announced May 7th. Okay. Basically, it was 50 Cent's World. He had he had three songs in the top 10 that year. 50 that Cent week. Was just killing it. Just That week. That's God. The man was on top of the world. Uh, real quickly, before we get back to the text line, Quick updated uh, odds to win the national championship in men's college basketball. Just showing how much parity there is out there. Patrick, would you care to venture a guess as to who the betting favorite is right now to cut down the nets on April, uh, whatever the Monday, first Monday in April? Purdue. Purdue is second. They are 10 to 1. They're the second choice. Houston Houston. is the betting favorite at 8 to 1. I would disagree with that, but that's okay. Kansas is the third choice at 11 to 1. And then you've got four teams that are tied for the fourth choice. Alabama. Arizona, Tennessee, and UCLA are all twelve to one. Significant drop off to, from them to Connecticut, who's twenty five to one, and then Baylor, Gonzaga, Texas, Virginia, and Xavier all sitting there at twenty eight to one. Wild, wild odds. The biggest. I don't, I don't know why Houston would be more favored to win it than Purdue. The analytics love Houston. Like Ken Palm loves Houston. Bartorvik loves Houston. They they just for whatever reason they think. Probably because Purdue hasn't made a Final Four since nineteen eighty. I think that they. Yeah, they look some of those formulas they take into account past history they take into account coaching acumen 
Kelvin Sampson in recent years has had some more tournament success than Matt Panarin. They take into account Hamadou Diakite getting that long rebound, tip out, and then making the game winning shot. Was it Diak- was that his name? The blonde dude? Mamadou. Mamadou Diakite. Yeah. He was he was yeah, that was a like big Carson team. Edwards team. He Carson was, Edwards was so good that, that was, year. I still think that was if I'm ranking the best NCAA tournament games of all time, I have a hard time putting that not at number one. I, in at the M Center. It was a tremendous game. Honestly, and then UCLA-Gonzaga, the COVID year, uh, just uh, the next season. The Jalen Suggs half-court shot. Incredible game. I mean, the, the shot-making in that game was was outrageous. But the Carson Edwards game, I had to write about that game, and I chose to write about Carson Edwards because we already had somebody covering the Virginia angle. I mean, you forget he was just, just absolutely out of his mind, and it's unbelievable. That whole Virginia run, they trailed their last three games in the tournament with less than four seconds to go in all of them. Like they, the Texas Tech game, fluky win, kind of. The Auburn game, fluky win. They get uh, a foul call. That was the right call, but it was a a bailout foul. And then to win the game against Purdue the way that they did was just uh, unreal. Was that the year that, that was 2019, the year they won it all? Yeah. I think, I mean, and, and that's the thing now. Matt Painter gets painted as this coach, no pun intended, who dominates the regular season but just cannot get it done in the NCAA tournament. And if, you know, if one of the most ridiculous plays of all time doesn't happen, he's a he's a Final Four coach. Like that's it's no longer a thing. He's got that monkey off his back. It's just the margin between you're great and you're not great is so razor thin in college basketball. It just comes down to those few weeks in March every year and like milliseconds in those games create gigantic narratives that last for for years and years and years. He's got to do it this year though. It does kind of feel that way, and I think that the, like, I still have. I still got some questions about Purdue. I mean, Zachy's awesome. Guard play wins in March. We know that. I don't know if they have the shot makers in the backcourt to get it done. They got a big game this week. It's a, it's a rivalry game. Purdue and Indiana. Indiana's doing a red out. They, uh, you know, we'll see what we'll see how that goes. That's kind of a weird thing. I do like that they announced the red out. They had the players like they had like shadows of them where that you couldn't see as if it was going to be some big uniform reveal, and then they showed them and they're wearing one of the. You know, the two uniforms that they've worn in the last 50 years. So they're not wearing specialty uniforms. They're just asking people to wear red to assembly hall. Yeah, the uh, aren't they technically crimson, though? Aren't they crimson and cream? Yes, yes. You're, you're exactly right. Thank you for that. Idiots. <laughs> it's, still, it's still a red out. Uh, 502-414-1450. We'll take some of you guys' texts before we uh, look ahead to the weekend that will be in college hoops. Texture says, so KP is either lying or doesn't realize how bad it makes him look, or he is completely throwing his players under the bus, which goes against the culture-building mindset. I'm confused why he would let that get out. Doesn't really seem like something you'd want to tell everybody. It doesn't. There has been, let's be real. I think that he sees it as more of an explanation, but there's a lot of just openly blaming the players. I mean, he can't go one press conference without saying, like, these guys just don't understand what it's what it means to wear this jersey. Even today when he's talking about you know, visiting Denny Karam, he's like, these guys have no idea, you know, what went into to building this program. Like, yeah, and then he said, and then we he said, get it. We we're, get it. we're trying to teach him as if he's like sitting him down and making him watch the '86 championship game. It's February. Like, the, all the points that he makes are are points that you make in like the summer or October when you're leading into the season. Like, we we don't hear enough about like what's actually happening. Like, these are these are broad things. Like, L. Ellis. Uh, you know the, the the word is LLS technically has a year of eligibility remaining. He can come back and play. The word lately has kind of been he's probably not coming back. He's probably just done with college basketball. Like LLS doesn't really care about 
a crash course in the history of Louisville basketball at this point. He wants to get the most out of his last five weeks of college basketball. He's trying to, to have some memories that he can take with him as special. I think he he had you know he seemed very happy after they won on Wednesday. He's put a lot into this program. He still plays very very hard. Like that's these are are talking points that you have in the summer. These are talking points that you have once practice gets going in September and October. Like we don't. It's February, man. Like, 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 that's cool. That's great. We get it. They don't. They don't understand. They're not going to understand at this point. Let's just try to win some more games. He's sitting them down, making them watch the '83 Final Four <laughs> game. Like, this is a crazy game. <laughs> you know the reason why Houston couldn't beat NC State is we took their legs out of it from underneath them. Like that, all that dunking. They're, watch, they're watching the 2000. They're watching the last game at Freedom Hall. Look! Look at this Kyle Curry guy. No, they don't. They, they don't do anything. At, Patino. That's that's uh, obvious. My that, bad. that error doesn't really exist. Texas, I can totally see Curry saying to a, a core for, <clears throat> excuse me, your John Wayne bull bleep is making us all look bad out there. So why don't you dial it down a notch, huh? That's <laughs> from Rudy. That's 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 very good. I enjoy that text. Yeah, text that, of the week. Text of the week, which we'll give gift cards out to restaurants that don't exist anymore. <laughs> apparently, we need we need a new restaurant to hook us up. No, with we're, gonna, the week. we're gonna give that guy. He's gonna get a blockbuster gift card. I, I love that like we finally sent them out and Debbie's like, I finally checked in because the, the restaurant didn't it didn't cease to exist. They just rebranded. And they're like, Well, can we still use these gift cards? And they were like, No. I was like, Well, the one time we tried to do prizes here, it just blew up in our faces. Texas says we don't want to win too many games and help UK strength the schedule. It's a good point. <clears throat> no, it's not a good point. Cause here, but I got bad news for you. Unless we win out, we're not any we're not going to be anything other than a quad four win for UK. Like, we're not, they beat us at home. <clears throat> we're not going to be a top 75 team that would elevate that win to a to top three, to, to quad three status. If we win out, hell, I mean, we we could probably win out and not still strengthen UK's schedule. I thought a top 75 win at home was a, or no, top 75 on the road's a quad one, right? Yes, top 75 at home is still quad three. Top, uh, it has to be a top 30 win at home to qualify for a quad one. We ain't getting up there. We're not gonna we're not gonna be anything other than a quad four. Uh, we are three three twenty nine in the net. So, what's a quad two at home then? If there's only between thirty and seventy, quad two. I, I take it back. I think I think quad three is seventy five and better. I think quad two is fifty and better, and then quad one is thirty and better. So, unless we get, man, what I mean. We're not getting the top 200 by the end of the season. We're not. We're, we're not going to be anything other than a quad four for them. So let's just let's win away. We're fine. We're not. We're not affecting UK at all. Texas Mike, it's nearly impossible to escape Louisville sports talk on my way home from work. I really appreciate you being the best of a bad situation. In all seriousness, it's been great having you back on the radio. I've always felt like you shoot it straight with your analysis and not just butt slap radio. Keep up the great work. Well, I appreciate that. Thanks, man. Thank you. He, he meant you too, Patrick. I know. He was. It was implied. It was There's a reason he sent that text when I'm when I'm here. That's ex- you, you're totally right. Texas. Will Chris Carroll do another blow by handshake to Hubert Davis? We do have North Carolina versus Duke on Saturday, and Purdue IU, and Purdue. It's rivalry weekend. Louisville, Florida State has become a rivalry. I guess everybody knows that. Everybody. everybody People are saying it's bigger than Duke, North Carolina. It's right behind Pitt, North Carolina, in terms of most heated ACC rivalries. Their bench tried to fight Ryan McMahon a few years ago. These two teams just don't like each other, folks. But because it was it was, it was Carowell who did the blow by, but I mean, Nolan Smith also did the like wouldn't shake his hand and looked away too. Like that was a big thing after that game. Uh, I mean, Carolina just got beef with everybody. They say that they're, they're pissing off the Cable brothers. 
They're pissing off Duke. I, I mean, I, I usually watch Duke North Carolina just because it's typically the biggest game of the weekend because they're really good. I could not care less about this year's Duke Carolina game. Neither team is very good right now. I, I, I guess they're trying to. I mean, Carolina needs to make the NCAA tournament. Duke kind of needs to build its resume too. But like Shire versus Hubert Davis does nothing for me. And I wonder what the rating, ratings are going to be. The ACC Network put out a graphic with like like a drawing of Shire and Hubert Davis and like Coach K and Dean Smith hovering over their shoulders. They're all like they're behind them on like a mural. Jesus, I mean this. It's just it's it's not the same. It's not. Will they show up? I don't even know which. Where's the game on Saturday? Who's hosting? Uh, uh, it looks like it's at Duke. Does Coach? I mean. This is when Coach K should show up, right? Like, he hasn't been to a game all year. He's been staying away from the program. He's not talking about the program. He needs to just make a cameo. They're finally starting to play a little bit better. Imagine he showed up to the Louisville, Florida State. It'd be great. <laughs> the thing is, like, if K shows up to, like, to the home game against North Carolina and Carolina wins again, then everybody's like, just stop coming. to You're, you're a curse on the rivalry. They beat you at home in your last game. They beat you in the Final Four in your last game ever. Stop coming to this game. And if he wins, he'll be like, I finally got my my last win over UNC. And Shire will be like, what the hell, man? <laughs> it's supposed to be me. Texture says, I graduated high school in 05, Mike, so I'm enjoying Patrick's playlist also. I love hearing Patrick as the producer slash co-host. There you go. People love Patrick. I'm, t- I'm telling you, that, that other text was directed to me, I'm telling you. You're taking off. You're, you're, you're taking the text line by storm. I, I mean, I, I remember all the songs that you played. I have vivid memories from my sophomore year in college. So you talking about that being when you were born is just... Uh, who won the Derby that year, two days after? Oh, oh, 05 would have been. Oh, 04 was Smarty Jones. Oh, 05, I think, was Giacomo. Giacomo. Yeah. I have a friend with the last name Presta Giacomo. I was there. We, we brought some friends back from Dayton, and, like, you know, we, we, we act like we were horse racing experts. We laid out all the favorites, and then the horse that, like, we didn't mention at all, Giacomo wins. And they're like, I thought you guys knew what you were talking about. And I was like, I can't stress highly enough how unusual this is that a horse that's 55 to 1 or whatever Giacomo was. Wound up, lines went up winning the race. It was the longest shot on the board. I know that. Texture says, besides making the tournament, what saves Payne's job in year two? Are you asking if we, if he, if does, he, if he doesn't make the tournament, what's something he can do and you have a great 2024 recruiting class? Exactly. Top, it's got to be like top 15. I think if he, maybe, I mean, if it's top 25, obviously you're having that conversation. If you have a team next year, and, and I'm, I'm not lowering my bar, I'm saying he needs to make the NCAA tournament the second year. But if you're asking what can save his job, let's say we have a team that wins, I don't know, 13, 14 games. They're just shy of 500, but they're led by the stars of the team are younger players. Karan Davis comes in. He's fantastic as a Juco transfer. Okorafor is blossoming into a beast on the low block. Caleb Glenn, Curtis Williams, they're better than we thought they were going to be. They're big time. They're all ACC freshmen. And some other transfers come in. They help us out a lot, too. If that all happens, and then you've got a top 15, top 10, 2024 class waiting in the wings, and you expect to kill it again in the transfer portal, then you can kind of sell that to the fan base a little bit more than like the same old, same old, slightly better than this year with the same type of recruiting class coming in. That's what I think would Ideally, you have more than two high school recruits, probably. It'd be nice. We've got one already, TJ Robinson, but that's not gonna it's not gonna move the needle here locally. I don't think he's got us ranked anywhere too high. Huh? He doesn't. I'm on the record though. I'm going to say this because for all the people out there who are like your haters, I think TJ Robinson is going to be a really good player. I think he is massively underranked. I'm not going to say 
make any bold predictions about some of the other guys that we have coming in. I think when all said and done, TJ Robinson winds up being a really, really good college player. I bet TJ Capers could play a nice power forward. Do we have to dip into the football ranks? <laughs> we could make that happen. Texas, what's the bigger impact event for Louisville basketball? Telfair going pro or Mitchell going pro? Oh, God. The the biggest, like... Well, we all know Telfair is... That's, that's what started still, it. We're but, still seeing. But Donovan going pro opened up the spot for Brian Bowen. So you can, you, you can argue... If Donovan Mitchell comes back, we don't add Bowen. We don't get in trouble with the FBI. We have a national title good team in 2018. Like, we could be rolling right now as a program. But if Telfair doesn't ever, if Telfair comes here, we never get Andre McGee. So, so then the whole Bowen thing's avoided either way, right? Yes, but we also avoid Katina Powell if yeah, Telfair no, comes here. So yeah. I'm but, saying Telfair's the bigger one still. Yeah, because if Telfair is, he's, he's, he's ground zero. The Bowen thing doesn't matter if McGee's not here. He's patient zero. He started this whole thing. This people are like, well, this all goes back to, to Rick. You can blame Rick. You can blame Mac. You can blame you blame Sebastian Telfair for everything. Rick did recruit Sebastian Telfair though, and Rick was only here because Denny Crum didn't win enough. Telfair, not to be that guy. Telfair knew that he wasn't going to come here. He led Rick on. He cost him the chance to get Rajon Rondo. So we're saying that this isn't Rick's fault. No. Anybody, he was Sebastian Telfair. He was on the cover of Sports Illustrated. You take him if you can get him, but he lied. He, Telfair lied. The program died. That's 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 the new tagline. So Donovan not going pro would have been cool. It also didn't help that like it hurt a little bit more that Donovan, after the Michigan loss, kept saying like I can't wait to come back and win a national title. I can't wait to come. And I think we all knew if this is a nineteen-year-old kid caught up in a moment here maybe he doesn't actually mean this but it did cause some false hope hope for all of us that that he wasn't going to go pro and then as time went on also you also had the Kentucky fans still run with a fake quote that Rick Pitino said he needed to come back it's not what happened it happened on my show I, I asked him the question I remember exactly what he said he said if he's not going to be a lottery pick he needs to come back because he thought with another good season a more complete season he would be a lottery pick the year later that's what he said and when it, when Donovan wound up working himself into a position where it was clear he had a chance to be a lottery pick and he was definitely going to be a top 20 pick, Rick was fine with him going. That's that's the history. That, setting the record straight there. Texas says the number one tournament game has to be Villanova with a three-point buzzer to beat Carolina right after the Marcus Page circus shot. It was well, a... Was that 26, 2016? 2016. Because you had Carolina played in... Or Villanova beat Carolina, then Carolina the next year beat Gonzaga, and then Nova destroyed Michigan in 2018. That, I mean, that game was, the ending was great. If you watch that game, like, I have it behind the Virginia game and the, the Gonzaga-UCLA game because it, got, it, was, it was a little bit sloppy there at times. Like, there were stretches of time where it wasn't, I mean, Villanova always seemed to be in control until the end got a little bit away from them. It, the best finish in NCAA tournament history, no question about it. But the overall game quality, slightly below the other two, at least to me. I'd still have it in my top five, for sure. Louisville, West Virginia, number one. No. For me personally, yes, but overall, no. Incredible game. You were a baby. You weren't even born yet. God. Are you talking about, is that 05? 05. 05. I was, I was at the Final Four, technically. We're were getting technical. You were technically in St. Louis, but... My mom was there. It'd be nice if you could have helped us win, but... I could have, probably. Sure. You gotta assume. Fetus Patrick, just not getting it done. Texas says, uh, balloon update. I've seen it over St. Louis around 4 p.m., the local TV media. Balloon heading our way. Is that true, or are we just making fun of my wife? I don't know. 
do the Chinese have the audacity to just keep moving this thing across our country, even though we know it's there? Like we- Matt Jones made a tweet about it going to Paducah. So maybe it's heading that way. What if it's like the Goodyear blimp? It's just going to wherever the biggest sporting event is. Where would it be headed? Louisville, Florida State, obviously. Uh. <laughs> Are you kidding me? We've won one game in the ACC? No. Texas, have you discussed KP saying that Withers didn't want to pressure, didn't want pressure put on him before the Georgia Tech game? What did he think he was signing up for here? It, I mean, it's a, it's a, yeah. It, it, we've we've had three years of Jalen. I, I also don't know why you need to say that if you're trying to hype up Jalen Withers. He, he's saying I want him to see himself as this elite defender, this elite rebounder. Let him know that. Like like you say those types of things. We we need him to be. We need him to be the player he's been in the last three games. If we're going to have any shot at, at, at making something out of the end of the season that, that's redeemable. Texas says, instead of asking you to be in uh, NET encyclopedia, net ranking encyclopedia, why doesn't Pat just Google the criteria for each squad with a computer in front of him? Well, he's trying to be Trevor. This is what Trevor does. Trevor just, I'm just asking questions. He seemed like he knew. Okay. Yeah, that's fine. Uh, Texas says, is this thing a remote control balloon? Maybe. Let's see. There's a link to a tweet. More photos, a possible Chinese balloon in the St. Louis area sky right now. Maybe Mary did see it. Maybe she did see it yesterday. Maybe it was the balloon. Maybe it, maybe, maybe it wasn't just the, the moon. How many of these things are there? Is it, a new, is it another one? I've got so many questions. Where, what is the Space Force doing? It's too low. Get out there and save us from these Chinese balloons. The balloon's heading for the Fort Knox Gold Vault. Maybe. It's heading for the Corvette Museum. It's heading it's, <laughs> The poor Corvette Museum. Enough's happened to it. Enough. It, you know, it caved in a few years ago. Texas has, has, has Trevor found anything to, to satisfy his raging? He's, he's, he's raging. I can't say the word. I don't know if you knew this, but Trevor did not know that it was colitis yesterday. He thought it was colitis, which led me to have to say it. And I just said it again. Texas, how fast is this balloon? Is it making good time? It is. It's like the great steamboat race. Just coming across the country. All right, uh, enough enough of the text line for today. We've got college hoops tomorrow. Tonight there is a, a good game, as mentioned. 9 o'clock, Boise State on the road, taking on San Diego State, who is number 22 in the country. The Mountain West shaping up to be another year where they get like four or five bids and they all lose in the first round because that's Mountain West, man, just cannot get it done in the NCAA tournament. But Saturday is the big day. We've got at noon, Big 12 battle. There always seems to be one. Kansas on the road, taking on Iowa State, number eight versus number 13. KU is a one-and-a-half-point road favorite. Patrick, who are you going with? Iowa State. Me too. Hilton Magic, they are 11-0 at home this year. Kansas just 4-2 and two away from home. I know they got the big win over Kentucky last week in Rupp. Iowa State, unbeatable at home. They will not lose to Kansas at home. Take the, take the Cyclones straight up. Make yourself some money. 2 o'clock, ESPN. Number 25, Auburn on the road against a Tennessee team looking to bounce back from just its, uh, its second SEC loss of the season. The second-ranked Volunteers are nine-and-a-half-point home favorites. Patrick, who are you going with? Mm, Tennessee wins, but they don't cover. Tennessee wins and covers. I still think they're really good. I don't think Auburn's that good. I think they're a little bit of pretenders. Bruce Pearls, he's a great coach. Not a big fan. Got to get the most out of his team. I think Tennessee wins. They win handily. 3 o'clock, ACC Network, number 23, Miami, on the road, taking on number 20, Clemson. No line on this bad boy yet. Who you got? 
uh, Clemson wins and covers whatever the line ends up being. I'm telling you right now, Clemson, speaking of, I'm, I'm going against my philosophy in the Iowa State game. Clemson is 12-0 and at home this year. They're on the downtick. They are. Hey, Miami lost to Georgia Tech. Miami did. Miami's also not playing that great right now. Miami will get it done on the road this, in this game. Clemson is going to start reverting. They're regressing. They're not going to. They're going to limp into the NCAA tournament. We may get them when they play here for the 2013 reunion. 4 o'clock ESPN. I'm assuming you can hear on one of our family of networks, probably right here on the Big X. Number one, Purdue on the road, taking on number 21, Indiana. Purdue a one-and-a-half-point road favorite. The battle of the Hoosier State. Who wins it, Patrick? The Crimson and Cream. I think they do, too. I think yeah, I, I'm... I know that they both kind of have looked, they stumbled a little bit this week. Indiana did not play well uh, in their loss to a pretty desperate Maryland team. I, I, I think Indiana's good. I'm standing by it. I think they get it done. I think they finally get over the hump and beat Purdue. We got at 4 o'clock also on ESPN2, number 10 Texas on the road taking on Jerome Tang and number 7 Kansas State. No line on that one either. Patrick, who got? Kansas State. I'm going to say... I'm going to say Texas gets the win on the road. They've been they've been playing really well. Rodney Terry, they get a little bit of payback there. Uh, 10.30 ESPN, the battle of the West Coast Conference. These two teams, they just don't like each other. It is rivalry night. It continues late night. Number 12, Gonzaga, taking on number 18, St. Mary's. St. Mary's computer rankings love them. Ken Palm's got them at like number four now. They're, they're way up there. Who you got? St. Mary's. I guess St. Mary's too. I, I hate I, Gonzaga. I think the Zags are overrated this year. I, I usually, yeah, I I'm usually a defender. I love Randy Bennett. I love St. Mary's. They get it done. The big show, though, tomorrow, ACC Network, I think. I ESPN2. Would, I would argue the big show tonight is Eastern Michigan versus Ball State. Yeah, the bet's over. Scoots won. But the big show tomorrow, ESPN2, Florida State on the road, taking on the cards. Will it be two wins in a row? Patrick Ryan, what say you? That's all I know. Really? Undefeated in February. Undefeated in February, he says. Rolls on. I'm I'm taking Florida State. I, I think that I think it's close. I think Louisville has a chance to win. I don't think they get it done. I'm going to say Florida State wins. Seventy. They've been bad defensively recently. Seventy-eight. Seventy-three. Florida State wins. Sunday the though. Same score I gave for the Kansas uh, for whatever game we picked Tuesday. Yeah. By the way. Well, we won. We won. Sunday, cards hosting North Carolina, number 14 in one poll, number 11 in the other. Do the Does the women's team get it done against the Tar Heels? If Haley Van Lith doesn't wear blue shoes, then yeah. But she's, if she does, then we don't. She's snapping out. HVL snap out game. It's happening. Cards are going to win. Cards are going to get hot. Let's get it done. All right, you guys have a fantastic weekend. Let's beat the Seminoles. Let's beat the Tar Heels. Let's have a happy Monday, even if it's a sad Monday. We'll see you guys right back here at 3. Happy weekend, everybody. Have a good one. Dream show they got me feeling serene. Where my candy and my cream got your boy feeling supreme. Hold up, wait a minute.